Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? Coming to you from the great state of Alabama and from points located all across the U.S. eastern seaboard, it's Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. You can find us at CosmicPotato.com and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, situated in a small corner in Birmingham, Alabama, only inches from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew, here is your host, Sean Ray. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Hey everybody and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. I've got a very special episode to share with you today. Anthony joined me for a big old discussion about time travel. We wanted to talk about our favorite time travel properties, whether it be TV shows, movies, there's even a couple of books thrown in there. And it was a big topic to cover, so I brought in a couple of very special guests. Over on the website, barrenspace.com, there's a show called 112263, an event podcast. It started several weeks ago analyzing one of my favorite Stephen King works, the novel 112263. And and the show has moved their way into doing a detailed episode-by-episode review of the Hulu original series starring James Franco. The two hosts for that show are Christopher DeFilippis and Skipper Martin. And I was lucky enough to get them to come on Cosmic Potato and talk time travel with us. And one thing that I wanted to mention before I start the show is that Chris has a website at theflipside.com. And he's doing a good old-fashioned rankings board now where he's ranking characters from the different time travel properties. And they're battling out in his uh, 2016 sci-fi madness, Temporal Tempest. And he's going to talk about that a little bit towards the end of the episode. He's included just about everybody that you can think of that's time-traveled, like Sam Beckett, Marty McFly, The Doctor, and even characters like Wolverine and Hermione Granger. By the time this episode airs, he'll be in his top eight, but you can go there and you can vote on who you want to make it into the championship. So go on over to theflipside.com and vote. Okay, let's crank up the theme music and get started. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Tonight I have with me a friend of the show, Anthony. Anthony, how are you tonight? Good evening, Sean. Very well. How are you? I'm doing awesome. And uh, we got a couple of special guests tonight from the 112263 podcast. We have uh, Skipper Martin and Christopher DeFilippis. How are you guys tonight? Doing no comment. Let <laughs> me go one at a time. Skipper, how are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm fine. How are you? Doing good. Uh, Christopher? I'm doing much better having uh, gotten on the line with you guys. Great, great. See, that's how you do it, Skip. That's You're pandering, man. You're that gracious. is no, it's, it's called manners. Yeah, you Ow. can tell they haven't listened to the show before. <laughs> Ow. Okay, you guys with the silky tongues. Right, that's what I meant. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> All right. So um, why don't you guys uh, just take a minute and tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, and, uh, and you talk about your show a little bit, too, if you want. Okay, Skip, I'll let you go since I try to monopolize the conversation. I want to keep with my kinder, gentler Chris tonight. Go ahead. <laughs> this is a new Chris, by the way. 
Uh, we talk about a book, we talk about a show, and then we completely disagree <laughs> basically from that moment on. Um, for some reason uh, that neither of us have been able to necessarily figure out, we don't agree on anything. And um, <laughs> uh, since he likes you guys, I must hate you by, you know, by default. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why, but for some reason we don't seem to agree on anything and it's not preplanned. Um, other than that, uh, um, Chris is a real sweet guy. And I never lie. <laughs> Chris, take it from there. Okay. Well, Skipper didn't tell you that he is an industry veteran. He is a colorist with Universal, and he's been behind the scenes at all the big movie houses for years and years. So he can school us all. We're just fan talks. He's like a pro talk. Oh. Me, I'm a humble journalist and a writer. And uh, I just have a lot of opinions about a lot of stuff. And we got started on the podcast because Albie Burge who runs Baron Space Productions and the Quantum Leap podcast sort of knew us through the Quantum Leap podcast. And he thought that we would, for some reason, be good doing an 112263 podcast. So he got us on the phone one night to ostensibly have a production call, a production meeting for Baron Space. And he just said, hey, guys, Stephen King, why don't you discuss it? And Skip and I went on for about, what, Skip, two hours? It was a lengthy diatribe. Yeah. And uh, it turned out, as Skip said, we didn't agree on a lot, but we, we had some good back and forth. So I think within 30 minutes of us talking, we realized Albie hadn't spoken for about 25 minutes. And we asked him what was going on. And he said, you're hired. And then we kept talking. <laughs> so it shows you where the dynamic comes from out of thin air. We don't know because I don't really know Skip. Skip doesn't know me. We haven't met in real life and we've only Ever. been talking – talking to each other over Skype and on microphones for the last several weeks now. Yeah. And um, it's I think I've spoken to him more in this last month and a half than I have to several of my lifelong friends for years. So it shows you, I don't know where it comes from, but the chemistry comes. And if anybody sees the lengths of our podcasts, we don't know how to stop. It's all very <laughs> organic. <laughs> I've listened to a lot of shows where everybody does agree and they get they get pretty boring pretty quick. So. If 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 all the hosts just agree on everything, you know, it's, it, it doesn't make for for good listening for very long. Well, then we must be the most entertaining <laughs> podcast you've ever heard in your life. And let me just go out and say that I know that we've I guess we've gotten a reputation for not really agreeing, but that is not calculated. Uh, Skip likes to say he never knows what I'm going to say. I never know what he's going to say. And we just come at it naturally. We don't really prepare for the shows because we don't want to know what our opinions are beforehand. And it just so happens that usually if I like something, he has a problem with it. And I have a lot of problems about a lot of stuff that he doesn't seem to mind. I don't yeah. understand what's broken in his head. He he should be angry <laughs> about these things, but he's not. <laughs> I, I, I could argue. I'm just not in the mood, man. I'm done with arguing with you, dude. Four hours a show of arguments. I, you know, I'm going to go off book. You're right, Chris. You're okay. right. Ooh. You're right about everything. I'm wrong. I get it. Okay. No, and I think it was funny. I think the last show that we did uh, was The Truth. It was episode five, and we actually both agreed. That's episode five of the Hulu, the Hulu miniseries, 112263. It just aired last week, and when we were doing the show, it turns out we both agreed that it was our favorite episode of the series so far. So Yeah, we, it, we, it was a good episode. Yeah, we thought the show was over. That's it. We thought the podcast was done. <laughs> now, wait, 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 wait. It turns out there's a reason why we agreed. 
because apparently we were both wrong because I went around online and looked what other people and so many other people hate that episode. Oh, really? So, uh, hmm. Yeah. You know, the, the universe is keeping everything moving along just fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anthony, Anthony, how far into the show have you gotten? I know I just, uh, I just asked you last week to, to watch a few episodes. Yeah, I had to sign up for Hulu for the for the show. So, you know. I am dedicated. Uh, I started yesterday. I really like it. And I actually had to pause in the middle of the third episode to do the show tonight. Oh, okay. Okay. But I really, I'm really enjoying it. Oh, well, well so you're wrong. voices other rooms. Huh? <laughs> so, well, I thought you were Chris. Yeah. And I thought that they, I think, I thought that they originally had said it was going to be nine episodes, but I think they made the first episode a double episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's like an hour that was 50 yeah. minutes. Yeah. So it, so it, it basically took up that that ninth hour now can can we ask you guys or maybe we'll get into this in the course of the podcast but are you guys fans of the book have you read the book i have read the book and it's actually one of my favorite stephen king books because stephen king i've always thought writes i know he's known for horror but he writes i think he writes better when he's not writing horror when he's writing uh either fantasy or like this was more of a science fiction story and more <laughs> historical fiction kind of. And, uh, I think that's where his, his gifts lie. He probably disagrees. <laughs> he say, I think he sells more books when he writes horror, but, uh, but that 112263 is, I believe, one of my favorite. Other than the, you know, I was a big fan of the Dark Tower series, but, uh, but this, this, this goes right in that list. Cool. Skip is a huge fan of the Dark Tower series too. Yeah, and yes. I was gonna ask. Well, I was gonna ask you guys uh, what what you thought about the uh, the casting of the of the movie that they're gonna come out with next year. Have you heard anything about that, uh, Chris? You want to take that? Oh yeah. I mean, my opinion is my opinion. I know Skipper hates it because he is averse to any change and he thinks Idris Elba is wrong. So you asked me to take it, so I figured I'd misrepresent you. Now, honestly, we have <laughs> we have discussed this, and I think that Idris Elba is a home run as Roland. I think Idris Elba, though, is a home run in anything since I've seen him in The Wire, Stringer Bell. I knew that he was headed places, and I think he'll make a terrific Roland. I just saw online this week the kid that they cast for Jake. I think Jake looks pretty good. And I know McConaughey is in it. Is he? He's Randall Flagg in this, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's rumors that uh, Aaron Paul has been approached to play Eddie. Jesse. Yeah. Yeah. That's, nice. That, that's that's the rumor. It hasn't. Nothing official has come out yet. But uh, but yeah, that's what they're saying. So, and I think I think he would be uh, be good for that role. I think you know. I I never really thought of. I would see McConaughey more as Eddie, the way I saw Eddie in my head. McConaughey is more that type, just the way I pictured Eddie. But yeah. I guess Aaron Paul would work just fine. But in that case, then fire McConaughey and get <laughs> and and get uh, get Heisenberg to play to play Randall Flagg. Yeah, because he yeah, is the one who knocks, and I think that would be <laughs> terrific. I took my I took my kids yesterday to see this film, uh, Zootopia. This out right now, and uh, there's a scene in that movie where I don't, I forget what animal is, you know, everybody in the movie is animals. It's, it's like a modern city, but everybody's animals. And, and one of them is in a uh, room making some kind of poison, but they make it look like he's making blue meth. You know, basically he's, (laughs) he's wearing a yellow hazmat suit and everything. And he gets on the phone and uh, somebody starts banging on the door 
And he says, hold on, I gotta, I gotta go. Walter and Jesse are at the door. (laughs) 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 So that's one of those things that just goes over every kid in the theater's head, but I'm dying laughing. They pepper that in for the parents, do they? Yeah. (laughs) So Christopher, I wanted to ask you real quick, uh, uh, you, um, back in the day, back in the nineties, I read a lot of Quantum Leap novels. Ah. And, uh, yours was one of them that I read, but I didn't realize that it was you when I started listening to your podcast. Until I heard you say that you had written a quantum leap novel, and I went back looking through my novels, and yep, there he is. You yeah, know, you wrote you wrote for knowledge. Yeah, it's the white one. It's the one with the white spine, so yeah. it stands out in the crowd. And yeah, I wrote that. That was my first and so far only published novel sale as a writer, and it came about very organically, much like this podcast, like out of the blue. Um, no, I worked a lot harder on that. I'm being too modest. When I was in college, the Quantum Leap novel series came out, and I was a huge Quantum Leap fan. So I had sent a proposal to Ginger Buchanan, who was the novel editor at that time, and they rejected it, but she liked my ideas. So she just said, send me another idea. And the proposal was based on a script I had written. And if anyone's heard me talk about this on the Quantum Leap podcast, and I'm repeating myself, I'm sorry. But... One thing led to another. Ginger liked one of the proposals that I gave. I got in front of her at a convention, a Quantum Leap convention in New Jersey, and I sold myself. And she said, I think we have a go. And that's where Foreknowledge was born. Yeah, and to uh, um, anybody that hasn't read any of the Quantum Leap novels, this is one that kind of uh, has a twist on the original format because we kind of see what happens to a character after Sam leaves their life. And... uh he he kind of set up a plea bargain with this person before he left and she when she comes back she's going to jail and doesn't know why and now she's got a vendetta and uh and she's kind of going after Sam so it's an interesting read and I I I had to go to uh my old stuff that I had put away and I found my copy and I'm probably going to mail it to you and try to get you to sign it for me. No, I'll <laughs> happily do that. That's not okay. a problem. And you're very kind to call it interesting instead of bad. Thank you no, very much. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote some quantum leap fan fiction back in the you? day. I didn't, I mean, nothing published, but, uh, you know, I, I like, I like doing a twist where, you know, it's not the, it's not the same, format that they always use for the show and then my story was one where sam actually leaped into himself about 10 seconds after he made his first leap so he kind of he kind of erased everything that he had done and he had to figure out how to how to reset that so so he was he he found himself where in the accelerator chamber or the waiting room he was back in the accelerator chamber and he just kind of passed out and fell off of the uh, platform that he was standing on and when he woke up nobody believed him when he said that anything had happened because it had only been about 10 seconds. Huh? You know, not so. even Al, huh? Yeah. No, Al, yeah, he didn't believe that he thought that the whole thing had just not worked, you know, so. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I have to go back and find it. I, I looked for it. I have to go back and find it. <laughs> Were yeah. you playing a not, pun on words there? Was that what I really bad. Was that? It's really I bad. Meant, I, meant, <laughs> I meant that. Yeah, I noticed that pause of, of interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> what is your definition of Interesting, Chris. <laughs> now, my, interesting to me is to mine the source material for something that hasn't been done before. And just the fact that we never really saw what um, a leap E went through when Sam returned. That's how I pitched the book. And I think that's what intrigued Ginger. And I'm glad that she bought it because 
I think several things were sort of aligned for me to, to sell that book. Number one, the series was late in its run, the, the novel series anyway. Yeah. And I think they knew they maybe had after mine. They they used to they used to buy them in like lots of three. So they'd do three books and then I'd guess they'd get the renewal from Universal NBC and they'd get three more books. And I think Ginger suspected that the three after the three that I was in, like the next lot of three were going to be the last. So she kind of she took the reins off the series a little bit. She let it be. And this maybe is a detriment to my writing style, but let it be a little more fanish. I don't know if they were trying to reach more of a broad audience, like, say, a Star Trek novel series needs to. Yeah. Um, that she would have let me publish this story or, or bought it in the first place, because it does require a lot of inside baseball to fully appreciate it. I tried to write it so that you could read it on both levels. If you weren't really a fan of the show or a huge fan of the show, you could still follow it as a leap with this sub-leap with Anne-Marie trying to get revenge. But there were so many nods to different leaps and different parts of the show that I think maybe would have been frowned upon earlier in the run if they were trying to make it much more of a broad commercial success, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, she... The other thing that I came up with was that Sam eventually died in my book, and she said, we can't do that. They won't let us do that. I was like, damn. Oh, no, it doesn't happen. So Okay, it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't Again, allowed. Spoiler alert! I wasn't allowed to do that. <laughs> I think you can rest assured that in any time novel, your hero is not going to die before no. the end. Yeah. No, yeah, no, die, no. If they die, ruined it for back. me. Now I don't have to read it. Good. <laughs> I, think, I think the closest that we ever found on the show uh, to seeing what happens to a leapy afterward was when Sam leaped back into Jimmy in the last season, I believe. It was one of the Evil Leaper episodes. Yeah, that yeah, was, you got that was the that was the closest that we got to see what happened after all that, and it wasn't a happy ending because the evil leaper was messing yeah, everything up. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we saw that. And I think getting the best episode they ever made, the vampire episode. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, just aren't there, man. <laughs> I thought Doctor Ruth was the best episode. <laughs> <laughs> maybe lying for all you non-leapers out there. <laughs> maybe fibbing. I didn't know we were doing the uh, Quantum Leap podcast addenda episode. Yeah, really. Yeah, so we yeah. could give this to Albie. He could just slap this up on his feed this is serving a lot of masters this show absolutely <laughs> we've talked for the we've, record that vampire episode total crap <laughs> yeah i think it, i called it extra i don't know if i'm saying that right excurable that's that's the way excrement more like it blood moon is a terrible episode please skip it thank you well the fifth season was kind of the network uh playing around with with stuff you know we're gonna make him elvis and then we're gonna make him marilyn monroe's bodyguard and we're you know, you guys talked about he was Lee Harvey Oswald, which I'm actually a fan of that episode. It's just not, you know, what he what the show originally set out to do. And then uh and then he leaped into the Civil War, which was a total. De- yeah, it's a good episode, but it was a total departure from the I, I, I've been I've been known on the show to say over and over that I hate it when a show breaks its own rules, because if you're going to make rules, you know, follow those rules, because. He's not supposed to be able to leap outside of his lifetime. Well, now he's in the Civil War. Oh, well, he's related to the person he leaped into. Oh, okay. Well, he's got ancestors all the way through history. So, you know, he can, <laughs> he can leap anytime now. <laughs> you will yeah. never make it in a studio system, sir. <laughs> I understand. I like, <laughs> yeah. And I like to call season five like the, the studio notes season because yeah. <laughs> obviously they needed to shake it up yeah. somehow yeah. because they always, they, you know, they felt they were on the bubble. Like, like you said, when we talked about Lee Harvey Oswald, that was a fundamental change 
in the entire premise, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, because no. Don said Sam will never leap into Lee Harvey Oswald. So, yeah. But how could you have liked Quantum Leap to begin with when the entire show breaks its own rules left and right? I mean, Ziggy's a guy, Ziggy's a girl. Uh, yeah, that is true. That is true. But that was a that was a fundamental rule because they said it in the opening credits every week. <laughs> rules, schmools. You know? Come on. Well, let's, is he uh, leaping into a body? Is it an aura? Does size matter? Why do the clothes fit? You could go on for you know a year picking apart everything wrong with Quantum Leap. Just go with it, man. Yeah, well, Just it's one of the it. it's one of those shows that even even the ones that I consider to be bad episodes, I still kind of like the episode because even the one where he leaped into a chimpanzee is a good episode. Oh, that's a <laughs> fabulous that. episode. Yeah. <laughs> that episode is amazing. That is yeah. a hysterical episode. <laughs> the wrong stuff. That's a fabulous. I still think caterpillars. <laughs> well, let's dig into our uh, our main topic. What we're going to do for this episode is we're going to talk all about time travel movies because uh, uh, Chris and Skipper are really like time travel stuff. They talk about it a lot on their show. So we're gonna we're gonna dig into some of our favorite uh, time travel movies and TV shows. And Anthony, you haven't uh, talked much this episode, so I'm going to let you go first and with your first pick. <laughs> um, well, a little bit more of a recent pick. Have you guys seen Looper? Yeah, yeah, I have. So I loved it. Uh, absolutely love Looper. Um, I saw it once, not in the theater. Saw it at home, um, but I was just completely in love with that. I really have been meaning to watch it again. Um, just the whole crime syndicate and, you know, the whole, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but kind of how they ended your career, mm-hmm. sort of, so to speak, without kind of giving anything away. Yeah. Uh, just the way a lot of things were done in that really, really, really well done. Well, I mean, you can give, you can give the premise cause that, that, that's pretty much the premise that, uh, yeah. basically you, you work for a, you work for a crime syndicate as you said and time traveling hitmen yeah in order basically the way that they uh the way that they end your career is that they they retire you and 30 years later they send you back in time and make you kill yourself you know so (laughs) it it's uh it it was it was interesting (laughs) Mm -hmm. it was uh i I liked i liked the first half of it better than i liked the second half i thought that the second half got really kind of confusing which time travel movies tend to get confusing if you're not really paying attention anyway (laughs) (laughs) you can't watch it through two feet sean you gotta you gotta watch that though but (laughs) yeah i thought it had a good twist good uh you know very very good story to it the the funny thing is um because you know joseph gordon levitt was playing a younger bruce willis and when they were doing that whole kind of scene where Bruce Willis had the long hair and it would just look so weird on him because I'm used to him seeing him bald in everything he's ever done in. Yeah. Mm. I mean, or balding, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I think they did a good job with that. I didn't really mind it too much and wasn't going to be nitpicky that they didn't look exactly like they were the same person. Anything again, like each other at all, you mean? Yeah. It looked, it looked <laughs> to me like they actually altered Levitt's features. Some of they gave him somewhat of a broader nose to match yeah. Willis's features a little bit they better. Put some, they put some like chin and cheek appliances on him too. To kind of like widen his face a little bit, right, right, yeah. And, and tried, I noticed he tried to do a like a Bruce Willis impression. Yes, and it <laughs> stood out horribly in that scene when they were playing off each other in the diner. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> and I remember Looper as really enjoying it in the theater, and I haven't thought about it since. And I also remember enjoying it until the twist at the end, which I absolutely disliked greatly. And I know you're a non-spoiler show. On our show, we'd be spoiling the hell out of this right now. But I think that um, that's where it fell down for me. But I really enjoyed the first half with all the time travel stuff. I just remember one inconsistency in that movie is that um, before Bruce Willis comes back ostensibly to, to kill himself, um, Levitt's waiting uh, by like that the point where where they come in where, yeah. where they arrive, and Bruce Willis is something like ten minutes late. He looks at his watch and he's late. And I said, "Well, wait a minute. He's time traveling to a specific point. He can't be late. Why would he be late? Yeah, he he could leave whenever he needs to in the past, in the future. He'll get to the past at the same time, no matter what. And I know that was just for the narrative tension in the moment, but it's just like, well, okay, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. And that's how yeah. my mind works. That's what I noticed. It was so stupid. Right. And in <laughs> In the movie, the time traveling device wasn't it something where the mafia only had control of it or over it, or were there other people that could have control over it? And was there more than one? That one, I that one's a little foggy. I think about. other other people could have control over because basically what happened was somebody discovered time travel, and as soon as that happened, time travel became illegal. You know, right? Which is probably what would happen. You know, you can't have people just going back in time and and doing stuff. You know, but. Yeah. And also there was some weird twist in that movie where people started to get like X-Men powers too. They started to mutate in some way where they could levitate objects and it was just – Flip quarters and – Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it was it was just so nonchalantly put into the plot. Yeah. And it sort of fits in towards the end and it sort of gets a little bit more prominence. But it was another thing that I found a little bit clumsy about the movie maybe because I don't like that second half. So Yeah. Yeah, and they did some weird stuff in there too, like uh, the guy that they were executing, and they started like cutting off his ears and stuff in the past, and they started disappearing in the future. Yeah, I kind of that was kind of neat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah visually, good, visually, it was good, but I was sitting there, and I was like, I'm, it, "Would it work that way? I'm not sure if it would work that way." Yeah. <laughs> but okay, uh, Skipper, why don't you yes, go sir. ahead and give us uh, your first pick? Uh, number one pick for time travels. Now, are we limiting it to movies or books? Both. No. What are we talking about? No. Well, I mean, mo- mostly we do uh, we do movies and TV. But you can do books if you want. Um, I, I've I've probably gotten totally redundant at this point. But uh, Back to the Future for me wasn't just a time travel story, uh, you know, in and of itself. But I loved it for just a thousand reasons, and I think that's why it's still enduring today. Uh, the time travel part of it fits perfectly into it. And it works so smoothly as opposed to so many time travel stories that tend to almost trip over itself. Um, even 112263 has to go out of its way to have pretty long diatribes about, you know, the mechanics of how it works. Well, this kind of works, but then you only have two minutes. And then if you come back, it resets. I mean, it's, and then you, yeah. you find yourself throughout the, throughout either the book or the novel going, does that work? And, and that never really happens in Back to the Future. Everything just makes sense. And um, regardless of the time travel, which I would put probably not even in my top ten reasons why I like Back to the Future, um, the rest of it is is so compelling. And um, it's not only just funny and entertaining and charming and uh, with characters I care about. And on top of all that, it's actually funny. And it's, you know, it's funny on the 10th viewing to the 100th viewing. It's a movie that just holds up. And um, Back to the Future always is in my top 10 of favorite movies of all time, let alone time travel movies. So that's just, just, I'm completely biased. You shouldn't ask me anything. <laughs> well, it, it never disappoints. It's such a good movie. 
And then I there's agree. the sequels, and they totally disappoint. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get. Well, we'll, we'll, we're talking. We're talking about the first one in a vacuum. We're not acknowledging yeah. the sequels. I, I, I was, agree. I was going to ask if you were just talking about the first movie, or if you were talking about the entire trilogy as a whole. So, because yeah, I, I do have some problems with that. Okay. <laughs> the first movie is a is a beautiful Swiss watch, man. Absolutely, it, just, it works perfectly. And the yeah. other two are added on after the fact with tons of problems. But I love them and I enjoy them. But I have to look at them completely separate, and it's not hard because they look different and they feel different. So um, they're fun. They're almost what ifs to me. The first movie is its own bit of perfection. Yeah, and the poster done by my favorite artist, Drew Struzan. And I've seen some of the concept work that he was doing um, when he got the job, and just his ideas and sketching things out. And when he was doing the poster. He would do this on a lot of his pieces where he would actually put on clothes and model and kind of like draw Marty McFly's face over his. Um, and like his wife would also model for things too. Like one of the other things that he did was in The Thing, how it's the guy in the snow coat with the light kind of shining out of his head. Yeah. Uh, he actually modeled that himself and like put on winter clothes and had his wife take a picture of him. And that's how he did the poster, drew it from that. Okay. So, well, yeah. Favorite artist, you know, he did, I mean, he did Blade Runner, Star Wars, you know, Harry Potter, all that, all oh, the so little projects we haven't heard of. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, these, yeah. these little indie B Harry movies, what? you know, Harry Potter, <laughs> yeah, is that what he called this? it? Isn't that a poor person? <laughs> no, he's the cop in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Now that's why it's so familiar. <laughs> Chris, what's your, oh, what's your first pick? My first pick, my favorite time travel movie of all time, has to be Terry Gilliam's Twelve Monkeys. And we were talking about Bruce Willis in that other time travel movie. Um, but for me, it begins and ends with, with Twelve Monkeys. I thought when I first saw that movie, it just completely blew me away. And I loved the fact that it wasn't like Back to the Future. It was like the anti-Back to the Future. As much as I love Back to the Future, nobody identifies with Michael J. Fox more than me. I saw that movie when I was 16 in the theater, and I wanted to be Marty McFly. You know, yeah. my, my, my mother called me Alex P. after family ties. That's how much people <laughs> – I was once at work, and somebody guessed when they walked into an edit bay, edit bay when they saw me because they said, I thought you were Michael J. Fox. <laughs> so I identify a lot with Michael J. Fox, but – 12 Monkeys is such a departure from the Back to the Future formula because they say right there, it already happened. How can you change it? That's stupid. And it fits in with the theory of time travel that I kind of like in that if it happened, it's already part of our history. So it, nothing is going to change because you can get into all of the discussion that you want about predestination versus free will versus all that. But you got to assume the time traveler is acting with their own free will, it's just in a nonlinear fashion. So it's a fait accompli as far as you're concerned. But in the moment, they have all the free will they want. And 12 Monkeys portrayed that brilliantly. And just Brad Pitt's performance was another milestone. It was like, oh, my God, who is this guy? He was amazing. And I think up until that point, I kind of dismissed him. I saw him in this. And then shortly after that, I caught California, where he played that serial killer. Yeah. And it's like, wait, in the space of like three months, I suddenly think Brad Pitt is one of the greatest actors of our generation, <laughs> you know? So I thought that 12 Monkeys was just pretty much a flawless film. And then on top of that, you have the Terry Gilliam aesthetic, which is probably one of my favorite film aesthetics of all time. I think he's a terrific director. And I know that his latest projects really haven't panned out well, 
but I would say 12 Monkeys is him at his height. Okay. There's a TV show of 12 Monkeys. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I didn't know if any of you guys have seen it. Is I it watched like current? I mean, are they yeah, doing yeah, new episodes yeah. or is it's it finished? Big, no, it's a big hit on sci-fi. They did a season. I'm pretty sure it's coming back. I watched the pilot, I believe, and they seem to take care with the time travel details, but it just completely failed to engage me. I didn't really feel like watching on, but I know a lot of people dig it. Okay. What, what do you guys think of 12 Monkeys, though? Is it is it a, a good film to you guys? Mediocre? Bad? What, what I do you remember, feel? I, I remember I've only seen it once. I saw it in theater uh, when it came out, and I remember really liking it, but... Looking back now, I can't remember a lot of I, I can't remember a lot of, of it, but I do remember that I liked it at the time. So I need to go back and watch it again. Yeah, basically, oh. it's it's Bruce Willis as a convict living in a future society where m- man has been decimated by a plague and they all live underground. Yeah. So he has no rights. So these scientists, a cadre of scientists, send him back to the eve of the plague to see if he can discover what caused it, so that in the future they can maybe work to fight it. And in the course of that, he goes back into the past, and he has a series of adventures and misadventures, and Brad Pitt is tied in there. I don't want to spoil it, but it really is terrific. Good. Don't spoil it. I haven't seen it yet, uh, but it is one. I know. I know. I'm ashamed to admit that. (laughs) Yeah, and I need to go back and watch it again. Yeah. I'm going to do my first pick, and my, my first pick is a TV show. I consider this to be the grandfather of time travel on TV, not in the movies. I mean, I know time travel in the movies has been around for decades, but uh, Time Tunnel from yeah. the 60s, uh, basically the predecessor to all the uh, time travel shows that we see now, like uh, Quantum Leap was kind of time time tunnel without the tunnel, you know, uh, where they're, they're stuck in time and, and every week they're in a different, they're in a different year and, Usually it's in big events, like the first episode they went to the Titanic and things like that. And of course, that you can't stop the Titanic from sinking because the Titanic sunk. You know, you can't change that. But um, it started in 1966, but it took place in the future of 1968. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was uh, it was the old concept of uh, they're going to cut funding on this time tunnel, so one of the guys goes and gets in it to prove that it works and. He gets sent back in time, and every week they – and one thing that they did do that they didn't do a lot in time travel shows back then was they included the future as their show, uh, like in the second episode. You know, you think Time Tunnel, he's going to be, be in the past every week, but mm-hmm. the the second episode was like 10 years in the future, and they were on a space shuttle that was headed to Mars, and – uh but there was two guys in this one because, and one thing that I didn't like, I know that they had to do it because the people back in the future could see everything that they were doing. You know, they could they could turn on the tunnel and they could and they could watch it like they were watching a movie screen. But oh. I saw I saw it when I was a kid because uh, they the show came on in the sixties. I was growing up in the eighties, but they used to take episodes of it and splice them together and make a movie out of it and show it on. Uh, these UHF stations all around the country, and I—that's—that's that's how I—I I saw it. So how did I miss that? That sounds awesome. It's on Hulu now. Yeah, I—I I, I know of Time Tunnel, and I know it's—you say it's kind of like the predecessor, but it was always the anti-quantum leap to me because they were always going to um, major historical events, and how can you really change that? 
Yeah. You know, because uh, history has happened. But I know they, the Tony and Doug were the main characters, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. And I've always wanted to see it. It's one of the few Irwin Allen shows that never seemed to be in reruns when I was a kid. Somewhere sandwiched between, say, uh, Land of the Giants and Lost in Space. It should have been on, and it just never was. Yeah, they didn't really show it a lot as a series. Like I said, they would show these afternoon matinee movies that would come on on Saturday afternoons. And it was basically two episodes spliced together. And I think that the reason that they went to mo- – I did I did some research on it. And uh, the reason they went mostly to major events is because they were reusing props from films. Oh, wow! <laughs> you know, Stock so, footage and stuff too. Yeah, so they they're, they're making a they're making a film about uh you know gangsters in the thirties and the lot next door. Then when they get done filming, hey, let's go over <laughs> here and use their props and we'll make an episode. You know, so. what was it? Did poor Irwin Allen never get any funding for any of his shows? Didn't the Lost in <laughs> Lost in Space cast have to like sift through the garbage to get their props? Yeah, they never had much. any kind of backing. And I think Time Tunnel only lasted about two, maybe two seasons. At the most, from what I saw, I think it was one long season, but Just it was one. broken into two on DVD. But uh, Sean, can I ask you a question? Sure. In regards to Time Tunnel, um, one of the things that we're doing on our podcast is that we're doing uh, bonus episodes, and we're going to later hit upon movies, TV shows, and novels, and all these things about uh, you know similar stories of time travelers trying to stop the Kennedy assassination, which unfortunately there are a lot of them. Right. And um, I assumed that time tunnel would have been an obvious choice. They had to have done it. It was so close to the assassination. And then most likely someone went, duh, too close. Can't do it. Yeah. But they did do an episode where they tried to stop the Lincoln assassination. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I saw it when I was a kid, but I haven't seen it yet. I've, I've gone back and started watching the series on Hulu, but I haven't gotten to that one yet. But I tried. I, I, I right. did try watching it. I'm not going to lie. I, I attempted. I didn't last very long. I tried. <laughs> I, I did give it a shot. Um, but the it seemed to be going out of its way not to offend anyone who might still be remembering the events from three years earlier. So I, I, looking for something that might have been similar to what I was aiming for, I think they were going out of their way to going, it's an assassination. Not that one. Not yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, we won't touch it. We won't now, offend anybody. On, on that topic, since you're talking about uh, movies and TV that dealt with the Kennedy assassination, Dad, have you ever watched Red Dwarf? I love uh, Red Dwarf, but I haven't seen the episode you're going to talk about in a second. Okay. Okay. Yeah, ticket to ride. Ticket to ride. Yeah, I don't. I, I I won't spoil anything. But there is an episode of There's Red Dwarf. Nothing War. to spoil. <laughs> I think is... I, I know maybe the listeners out there, but I think I kind of know the broad strokes of the plot. Yeah, basically they stopped the Kennedy assassination, and uh, it. If I'm remembering everything right, it, it it changes the future for the worse, and so they basically have to go back and and redo it. Mm. <laughs> and they and there's a little bit of a twist. Uh, I, I won't. I don't want to spoil the twist because uh, it's it's interesting. <laughs> but uh, this that was one of those late late season Red Dwarf episodes. I, I think it was pretty late in the show when they were. Uh, it was maybe the next to the last season or something. How how many seasons did Red Dwarf last? Because it was on here on PBS for a while. Yeah, they. So I, I caught you know maybe two two seasons worth, but I don't know if it was in the beginning or the middle of the end of the show. You know. Originally, I think they did eight seasons, and then they they came back back in 2010 or so and did like a three episode reunion that they called season nine, nice. and then and then they came back again just in the last uh, couple of years and they did another ten episode season. So that's season ten, and they're 
there's rumors as to whether or not they're going to do a season 11 or not. So, okay. The only thing I remember from Red Dwarf is, and I, I still haven't had it. I want to have chicken vindaloo so bad. Yeah, that's, that's all. Yeah. Uh, they talk about chicken vindaloo and curry vindaloo. a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward. When I get to the UK, I'm going to have chicken vindaloo. <laughs> well, the episode ticket to ride. The the subplot throughout the entire episode is that they're run. They've run out of their their stash of curry. And oh, really? That's yeah. the, and they do mention chicken vindaloo a lot. And I didn't get, <laughs> what is this joke about? Is it just because it sounds funny? Okay. All right. Clearly I'm not the audience for this, but uh, I, I didn't care for it. I didn't yeah, hate it, great. but it I did watch British. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of that, like I do like some British TV, but some of it is a little too British. <laughs> You know, as as an ugly no American, no <laughs> such thing as too British. <laughs> well, some of it's just when the humor um, is so British that Americans just are staring at it like I just don't get. I yeah, don't understand, I, yeah. Know? Well, when they're speaking English and we're watching it and saying, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, I think having but, having been raised watching Monty Python on Channel Thirteen here in New York. I almost don't notice a British accent anymore because I watched it endlessly and repeatedly. Yeah. So I will be I, I, maybe surprised. I have a, high, a higher tolerance than most, right? I will be yeah. very surprised. I am the biggest Monty Python fan and I found it bullet. You know, just uh, not, it all bounced off me. I didn't, I think I smirked at one joke and that's my own. The, I'll say that's gotta be my own problem. You're talking uh, about I'm Red very Dwarf. curious if you, because you know what? You'll probably love it because that's, how this works. <laughs> I found, no, here I found Red Dwarf had much more akin with Hitchhikers than it did with Monty yeah. Python. Yeah, I love same, Hitchhikers same too, but I, I just couldn't get people. Well, this may just be a not great episode for all I know. I just didn't care for it for that one episode. Oh, okay, you only saw that one episode. Correct. Oh, then shut oh, up, okay. sir. You have, you have no leg to stand on. No, I, I, don't, I don't think it's on. And I, don't, I think they took it off of Netflix. and it, it used to be on Netflix and Hulu, I believe, but I think they... They don't have any. BBC took a lot of their stuff down a while back. So, okay. Anthony, yeah, what's your? Uh, I watched. I watched a lot of Faulty Towers on Netflix, oh, but I yes. don't think it's up there anymore. That I was the uh, the 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 Saturday Night Brit comes that I used to watch when I was a kid. Faulty Towers was one of them. Red Dwarf and uh, Keeping Up Appearances and yeah, stuff. Like I said, that. That, yeah, you know, I knew I knew she was going to come up eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, what's your next pick? Oh yeah, we're also we're not doing these in any specific order. No, right? no, no, no. Because no. I, mean, I think one of you guys said like, "Oh, you're number one." So, um, you know, I'm not really doing this any. Sort I mean, you can sort of if you want to do it that way. That's fine. But we're just well, it's not Looper then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong I mean, with that guy? That's all those shotguns it. look like plungers. <laughs> but anyway. Um, my next pick would be Groundhog Day. Yeah. It directed, co-written by Harold Ramis. Uh, he also has a little part in the film. Basically, Bill Murray plays a Pittsburgh weatherman who goes to Puxedani, Pennsylvania to cover the Groundhog Day. And he kind of gets caught in this time loop where he lives the same day over and over and over and over again. And he adapts to all the reoccurring events. Uh, kind of like an episode out of the Twilight Zone. Um, he remembers and he remembers all the days that came before. So it's not like he, it completely resets. You know, he has memory, but anything that happens, whether he dies or, you know, if he wins the lottery and has all that cash, he wakes up the next day and has none of it. Right. So, I mean, just 
you know, nice romantic comedy with that time travel sci-fi uh, element to it. And later on in the film, when he realizes that basically he thinks he's God and he tries to kill himself, but he can't. So he kind of draws from that that he is a god. Um, what I like about this film is it kind of begs you to ask the question, if you were in his situation and you had to live the same day over and over again, what would you do with it? You know, Would you use it to your advantage and take advantage of people for your own gain? Or would you try to improve somebody else's life? You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I took away from it. Yeah, and there was a um, there was an article. I don't know if you guys ever look at Cracked dot com. Uh, they have a lot of interesting articles, and um, they did an article where they said that in the original in the script, the original version of the script, he actually was caught in this loop for like ten thousand years. Yep, I so. do have that. Um, there is. Blah, 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 blah. Let me see my notes here. I don't know if oh. it was in the original version. I think they just someone calculated it. That could right. Be it. Yeah. Yeah. So Hal Ramis says that Phil. Yeah. So Phil goes to Puxatani to in to, you know for Puxatani Phil. So they named Bill Murray's character Phil. Yeah. Uh, lives the same day for about ten years, but a website obsessed with a film says that in order to master all the skills that Phil has would have taken thirty-four years. He becomes a master sculpt, ice sculptor, and pianist, and some other stuff also. Mm. But Harold Ramis was expecting a backlash from religious groups, but actually got a lot of positive attention from the film and others interested in metaphysics. But it's such a sweet little movie. I love it. Yeah, and I like it because it's, it's one of those technically a time travel movie, but not one that really focuses on the on why, you know, we don't have to get a lot of yeah, there's Star no, Trek techno babble no, to explain why it's <laughs> happening. It just is, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I would say that it's a little bit more easily accessible as a time travel movie like that. Certainly. You know, it doesn't need to be explained. It just is. Right. And that's... Go ahead. Go ahead, Skip. Go ahead. I think I saw an interview with Danny Rubin, and um, I think this was his big break. And he talked about how you know he was so proud of this script, and the way it was supposed to originally start, I believe, was basically uh, Phil on the bu- uh, on the uh, the bench waiting for the bus, and he was just this. You, know, you you start from ground zero, and this guy just knew everything. And he was thought of as a god. Who is this guy who knows the future, who knows every single thing that's going to happen? And then the film, you know, backs in on itself and tells you the story, you know, in retrospect. And apparently when uh, Harold Ramis uh, came on board, he didn't like that at all. He really wanted to watch this character go through it organically as opposed to being dropped. He didn't want the audience dropped into the middle. Um, But the other... Uh, and that was easily in my top five Groundhog. I love Groundhog Day, but the uh, other thing about this film that's kind of noteworthy is that it was accused of being a um, you know, plagiarized. It was, uh, the concept mm-hmm. of a character, you know, being caught in a loop was um, apparently done before. And uh, Chris and I have talked about this already. Uh, the writer, whose name completely escapes me, he wrote Ken a book Grimwood. called One. Sorry. Ken Greenwood. Ken, Ken Greenwood? Replay. No, no, no. That's Replay. Oh, replay. So 1201 no. came before that. 
1201 came out, I think, in the 70s. Okay, I have 1201 right here. Unless 1201, the one that I'm thinking of is a remake. There was a 1201 that came out in the 90s. Sort of. Okay, 1201 yeah. uh, started. I actually have the have it right in front of me. Give me two seconds here. 1201 is a short story, and it came out in 1973 by Richard okay. Lupoff. It's only 16 pages, and it tells the story of a guy who's caught in a loop. Um, that story was adapted into an Oscar-winning short film, I think in 91, double-checking, 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 93, sorry, 93 was a film, and here it is, 1990, a 27-minute film in 1990, starring, his name totally escapes me, but he was the bad guy in RoboCop, bald guy, also on that 70s show, help me, help me, help oh. me. Yeah, that guy. Uh, Fred Foreman. You're talking yep. about uh, Kurt, Kurt Wood Smith. There you Kurt go. Kurt Wood Smith. And Kurt Wood plays the lead character who is caught in this uh, time loop. And it's on YouTube. It's absolutely worth seeing. It's only 27 minutes. It was an Oscar winner for a reason. Or either Oscar winner or Oscar nominated. And um, it's great. And it's it follows the original short story pretty closely. And apparently the original writer, Lupov, was quite upset that Groundhog Day had, in his mind, at least ripped it off. If you watch the two back to back, either read the book or see the short story, you know, whatever. Mm. Loose, the loose idea, maybe. But not really. They're so different. Tone is different. Groundhog Day is very funny. The original has no humor in it at all. Um, and the original is only a 16-page short story. And then he uh, went back to the well in much later, 2011. Boy, do the math on that. Uh, and he did a short story called 12.02 p.m. And then two, uh, two years later, he did 12.03 p.m. And I don't particularly care for the sequels. But anyways, uh, all Very of those titles, though. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All these stories had the same notion of being caught in a loop. And 1202 and 1203, you know, play off of that. But um, the other story that Chris was mentioning was by, sorry, what was his name again? Ken Grimwood, Replay. Yeah, Replay. That's another short. Now, that one came out in 1986. And that one's really good. Yeah, I and, thought it was okay. Oh, now he only gets an okay out of it. I enjoyed it mainly since I've had a lot of time to dwell on it because we read it a while ago. The way we became aware of Replay is that a caller, um, one of our first callers, mentioned it in response to our first or second podcast about the book, about 112263, the novel. So Skip went right out and read it because he's dutiful. And um, I finally got around to it about a month later. And um, I enjoyed it. But Skip seems to think it's great, and I can't wait to do the show about it because there are a lot of things that I see as seams in that book, even though I enjoyed it. A lot of writerly things jump out at me yeah. that give me pause and seem a little bit too formulaic. And Skip, we're going to maybe do a preview of our bonus episode for replay right now, but um, uh, maybe you know, we shouldn't. Maybe we'll hold back. But Basically, uh, I, I'm, I'm – uh, I'm my my opinion is colored because I just remember loving the ending so much. If right. I sit here and pick apart the book, I promise you, I'm gonna have a lo- I hated the first seven chapters for crying out loud. So right. no, it's not. A, Those are the ones I liked. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's not my favorite book, you know, by a long shot. But um, there's a lot to talk about. And in regards to its similarities to Groundhog Day, virtually none. Just that oh, basic, no. basic, basic concept. Yeah. Other than that, Groundhog Day is much, much better, much deeper, much more satisfying than this yeah. than that book was. But that's yeah. Great. Can you tell me when did Groundhog Day come out? Ninety one. Uh, that was nineteen ninety three. 
Ooh, there you go. Okay. okay. I, cause I knew there was, re- I, it completely escaped my radar, but I was a senior in college at that point. So I was so busy. I wasn't watching TV or going to the movies or anything. And it wasn't until maybe four or five years ago that I saw Groundhog Day. Cause it just, it never screamed to me, Oh, you need to watch this because it's a time travel. It was just a Bill Murray comedy. And while I liked it, I thought it was really funny. I don't understand why people praise it as much as they do. I thought it was just a cute movie. And I always thought the central conceit was that we're all Phil because we all pretty much do the same thing day in, day out and don't really examine why or what. And if you just stood back and took the time, imagine all you could accomplish. So I found it as a neat little metaphor, but it always struck me as more of a mainstream comedy than a science fiction film. And maybe that's why I didn't feel any particular rush to go and watch it, even though I did enjoy it once I did watch it. You know, the problem with the, with uh, your perception of it is that you haven't watched it enough. And I know that sounds silly, but it's the kind of movie that it, it, is, it is something that you get more out of the more you see it. And I couldn't tell you why. Um, I, I guess the meanings get deeper. Um, the comedy is always there, and jokes don't get funnier over time, in my opinion. So the lasting charm to the movie is that you find more. How could you watch a movie that takes one basic day and repeats it probably a good 20 times in the course of the one movie? Why would you ever want to watch that again? But for some reason, the more I've seen it, the more I've grown to love that movie. Yeah, and I had to, I, I kind of got into an argument uh, when uh, the movie it. Edge of Tomorrow, I think, was the Tom Cruise mm-hmm. film that came mm-hmm. out. And I, that. I have that from Netflix it. right now. If I if I didn't get so wrapped up into eleven twenty two sixty three, I was going to watch that tonight. I'm not gonna, gotta, I'm not gonna spoil it. I was just gonna say right. that um the the basic premise is that he's you know, he's reliving lived the, same, I repeat. the same day. Yeah, lived I yeah. repeat, yeah. So yeah. I brought up that I really like the movie. I've said something on Facebook. I really like this film or whatever. And, and, and somebody came back, Oh, they're just doing Groundhog Day. I'm like, have you ever seen Groundhog Day? And like, I don't like, remember. There's not any aliens or laser combo. blasters in, in Groundhog Day. That's well, like yeah, saying, it's just Groundhog Day. Same as Terminator. It just isn't. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, it's in the eighties yeah, well, and there's time travel. It's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, oh, so yeah, he's no, living no. the same day over and over. So it's got to be the same movie now. Yeah. And, uh, Anthony, let me just, let me just encourage you. Put eleven twenty two sixty three on hold and go watch Edge of Tomorrow. It's Second a much that. it's it, it's a much better viewing experience. Second that. <laughs> anyway, a much a much more even viewing experience. Let's put it that way. Sure. Yeah. Well, Chris, go ahead with your uh, with your next pick. All right. Well, uh, uh, at the I am going in order. So, ooh, or at I the sk- risk of incurring I, I sk- the wrath of Skipper Martin, my oh. second favorite time travel movie of all time is Back to the Future Two. I love, love, love that movie without apologies. Ooh, ooh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear the stunned silence from the peanut gallery. No, I, I love Back to the Future. I'm, well, go ahead and say what you want to say about it first, and then I'll. Now, the reason the reason why Back to the Future Two grabbed me so personally was number one, a I told you how much I identify with Michael J. Fox, and then number two, when I went to see that film, it was all about the time travel. And at that point in my life, I was geeking out on time travel like crazy. It was becoming my favorite genre. And I loved that Back to the Future 2, everything about it had to do with the time travel and blending into the first movie. And it was all going on somewhere off in the wings. And it was going on, but you never knew about it. And now we're getting to see this other story that's woven in and around the first movie. And as much as I loved the first movie, that's a time travel movie for my mom. This was a time travel movie for me. 
because it was filled with like weird concepts. And then at the very end, when Marty comes racing around that corner and he grabs Doc and he says, you know, I'm back. I'm back from the future. And Doc faints. I was just like, holy moly, what's going to go on now? You know, it just <laughs> it just jazzed me so much. And every time I see it, I get right back into that place. It just even thinking about it now, I have this huge smile on my face. I just love it so much. And I love yeah. I, I love it too. It's it's on my it's on my my top ten list. The only problem I have is just it's and it's a nitpicking time travel thing in that you can't go into the future and meet your future self because you vanished thirty years ago. <laughs> you know when you got into that DeLorean and you left the timeline, your wow. future self doesn't exist. All of a sudden, you come back into existence thirty years later. Your kids, you don't have any kids there because you've been gone. <laughs> You know, that's the, that was the only big problem that I had when they and I thought that they were really trying to 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 stick to some some kind of uh, theory or whatever when they started doing the alternate timelines and, you know, go back into an alternate version of the 80s and stuff. And just mm-hmm. that one thing just kept. And, you know, I was in I was I was I want to say I was a freshman in high school when that film came out. Maybe I was in I may have been in junior high. So I. Even back then, I was like, well, wait a minute. It, <laughs> if he got into the time machine and left, then he wouldn't have any kids in the future because he's been missing for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. But Well, huh. it's one of those ones where if I watch the first one, I have to watch the second one. But if I watch the second one, I don't really have to rush out and watch the third one. <laughs> yeah. Third one's, uh, third one's uh, that, that's a hit or miss. It was a doc movie, and I liked that fact that they made it into a doc movie. And it was, again, very repetitive. It was the third time we were seeing some of the same shtick. So I, I, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't dislike it, but I'm not going to rush out to watch part three. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. You know, um, I actually just watched all three of them together in about two days uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, the third, it's a part of the trilogy and I'll watch the third one, but I'm not going to, you know, look on the DVD shelf and say, oh, let me start here and start with the third one. I mean, it is the weakest one, but, you know, I'm not swearing it off saying, oh, I'm never going to watch that film again. Yeah. And the the third one back back in the back in the 90s, when they used to show films a lot on uh, network television, they don't do it a whole lot anymore. But um, the third one was the one that they picked to show on TV all the time. You know, that's it, probably because that was the easiest one to get the rights to. Uh, that may be true. About once a year, that one would come on TV, and the the, the other two they didn't they didn't show all the time like that. But <laughs> I didn't know if it was just because it was the most recent or what. No, I usually see them clumped together, like usually on AMC or something. They'll play them all back to back to back. Yeah. Well, guys, as we're talking about Back to the Future, I want to uh, open up a question to the panel. All right. <laughs> How do you guys feel knowing that there's an entire there is another Back to the Future sitting in a can somewhere. A good chunk of that movie with Eric Stoltz, shot mm. by the same people, shot at the same time, with the same script. Not, you know, mostly. It's almost if if I if I had told you that they had shot Star Wars already, and but then they reshot it, and there's a bunch of it sitting in a can somewhere, but you're not allowed to see it. Yeah, and they claimed that uh, that the only things that they reshot were the shots that had Marty in them. But that was just about every shot, <laughs> you know. And <laughs> you know, when you think about it, sure. Yeah, I saw an interview with. Uh, remind me of the name of the guy that played Biff. Oh, uh, Thomas Thomas Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, Thomas I saw. Wilson. I saw yeah, an interview so- with him, or he may have been. No, he was on the Nerdist podcast. That's where I heard the interview, and uh, he said uh, they they asked him, "Well, how much of the film 
uh, had to be reshot. And he said, well, I think there is a shot of me in the diner with a fist hitting me in, my, in the face. I think they kept that shot. Everything else we had to redo. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Not true. There, right. there are shots of the DeLorean in, in Twin Pines Mall being chased by the terror, by the Libyans oh, okay, that, you're right. that yeah. do have Eric okay. Stoltz. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for the listeners out there, Thomas Wilson, there is a hilarious, uh, video on YouTube where he has a comedy act and it's called The Question. And he yeah. has a whole song made up about stop asking me the questions. So funny. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you guys are familiar with it. Yeah, um, love it. You know, love it. pause the show, take two minutes, watch it on YouTube. It is hilarious. You won't regret <laughs> and it. And actually, really Thomas Wilson, he has his own uh, podcast actually on the Nerdist uh, network. Okay. And he's actually a very, very talented painter. Uh, I looked up his work recently and he did something for Disney. And uh, he does like a lot of pop art kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, very talented guy. But, you know, I mean, he will forever be Biff Tannen. Oh, yeah. Whether he likes it or not. He's, he's embraced hear... it. Right? Oh, so, yeah, definitely. Did he's you guys the... hear that he um, he has his own opinion about Eric Stoltz and, and the reshooting? Did you hear about this? No, I didn't. No. It's actually pretty funny. He, um, he basically, during the scene where um, Marty McFly is talking to his dad, hey, let me read some of your science fiction. Oh, no one ever reads my stories. By the way, she won't go to the dance with me because I think she'd rather go with Biff. And then Marty stands up to Biff and, you know, what's it to you? And you know, keeps knocking him in the chest. And finally, Marty fights back and throws a nice, you know, uh, tries to shove him back in his chest. That's the scene. Well, when Eric Stoltz did that scene, he apparently is a big fan of the method and he wanted to be called Marty on the set, didn't want to be called Eric. And in that scene, <laughs> he really wanted to fight back. So he was hitting Thomas Wilson. Oh, wow. In the chest. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big guy too. And didn't yeah. matter. He was and because he wanted he wanted it to look real. So he wanted to push back this big guy. So with all his might, he was pounding Thomas Wilson in the chest and cut. He comes up to him. Hey, buddy, it's acting. You don't have to hurt me. Come on, man. Can you can you ease up? All right. All right. All right. Take two. Wham. And around the third or fourth take. He was going to Thomas was getting bruised. He was getting really upset. He was telling the director, everyone that this guy is really hurting me. I'm going to pummel him. And then they're like, OK, OK, we got it cut. And apparently Thomas, uh, you know, read forward into the script where, you know, he was going to be able to, you know, take a whack at Marty. Yeah. And he was really looking forward to it. <laughs> He's like, oh, I got a I got a little bit of method waiting for you, sir. And then it was like, oh, by the way, we're reshooting, you know, cut, cut, cut. We're reshooting everything with a new actor. Rats. <laughs> <laughs> he never got his chance. Yeah. You know like what the cra- go, go ahead. ahead. I was no, going to say, you know what the crazy thing is of uh, the future Biff character? You know who they based that on, right? No. Who, Donald Trump. Oh, Donald Trump. Future right. Biff. Oh, okay, Biff. 85, alternate 85 Biff. Yes. Right. Donald Trump, huh? Yeah, Biff yeah. was the only one in the in the original movie when they put uh, makeup on everybody to look older. Thomas Wilson actually kind of grew into looking kind of like <laughs> kind of like Future. The rest of them oh. don't really. <laughs> but, we love you, Tom. He didn't yeah. mean it. <laughs> Big Skipper. fan of you and Wing Commander 3. <laughs> Skipper, I kind of I kind of skipped over you uh, a second ago, so go ahead with your next pick. 
Oh boy, um, I really uh, we're, we're, we are all probably choosing each other's other favorites. So mine is Back to the Future, and then Twelve Monkeys and Groundhog Day. But uh, if I have to choose uh, another, and we already mentioned Edge of Tomorrow, the last two favorites of mine are either Time Bandits or The Time Machine. And I'm going to go at the moment go back to Gilliam. Time Bandits was that movie that. Uh, similar to what Chris was talking about a second second ago, in regards to that mind blowing idea where you think you got it all figured out, and someone opens a zipper, and there's a whole universe of stuff that pops out. And the end of Back to the Future Two is that moment where you just boom, your mind just gets blown with open with possibility. Where are you going to go? To me, that was Time Bandits. This notion that you just look on a map and find one of these black <laughs> these black mm-hmm. squares and jump into it, and who knows where you're going to land? And it was. Uh, I, I I have to attribute that to be one of those first anything, whether it be novel, book, movie, whatever. Uh, just one of those things that just absolutely opened up my brain to bigger ideas. You know, as you go from scene to scene, where could they possibly land next? So I remember as a kid, just absolutely opened up by that. And then by the end of the movie, it goes in all these crazy directions, which is pure perfect Terry Gilliam. It's uh, it was the perfect movie to show a kid. And um, regardless of the time travel and regardless of paradox or the meaning of anything, I just love the idea that from scene to scene, where is this going to go? And time bandits. I got to put that in. Sorry, I kind of laughed a little bit there because my memory of this is being very, very scared of it as a kid. Wow. (laughs) Oh, here's the thing, Skip. You're funny. You say that show that to a kid. I was scared of everything. This movie didn't scare me. I just I, I didn't know what to make of it. And it wasn't until I was very much older. That I was able to appreciate it the way it needed to be appreciated. I just, I, I don't know that I was confused by it, but I remember when I was a kid seeing that. The thing that stuck out the most to me was at the end when uh, the kid's parents blow up. And no. he's just going, Mom, Dad. And I'm just like, oh, this poor kid, what happened? Don't touch it. It's evil. And, just, no, and I'm just like, what, what, but, 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 but what But what happened? And I just couldn't wrap my mind around that movie until I was about 19 years old. So maybe I'm just stunted emotionally. I don't know. But it. I love it. I you are a home run with that pick. I love Time Bandits. I just I couldn't grasp that when I was a kid. It just it it just completely bounced off my little brain, you know. David Warner as evil. It doesn't get any better than David Warner as the character of evil. Um so funny. So uh, so oh, I could go on and on. Uh Time Bandits uh, if if you haven't seen it I'm sure it's dated by this point, but at the same time, it's one of those movies that, you know, one minute you're fighting a giant, the next minute you have cowboys, the next minute you have lasers, and it's just, it's everywhere and all over the place, and it's just, you know, off the wall, crazy, you know, being caught in that little cage, you know, up above nothingness, and it's like with skeletons, they're finished, they're done. No, 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 they found a way, and it's brilliant. awesome love it love it love it time bandits all right well my next pick is going to be a um a tv show and it's actually a tv show that uh i thought about doing we did a we did an episode a couple months back that was our favorite uh t shows that didn't really get a fair shake and they got canceled too early and the I started to put this on the, on that one but i decided to save it for the time travel show because it's a journeyman from 2007 Oh, I thought you were going in a completely different direction with this. So. <laughs> Did you guys ever see Journeyman? 
I watched the whole first season, right? Until it became Quantum Leap Part 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't they all? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but, yeah. literally, there was a blue flash every time he traveled by the yeah. by the end of the first season. So Yeah, I really so, liked it at the beginning when they, they kind of did the ripple effect or whatever. I liked that effect. But it, I don't know if they just didn't want to get stagnant with the effect or whatever, and they kind of kept changing it. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. But it was um, it only lasted for 13 episodes, and uh, it started Kevin McKidd. And who he's on Grey's Anatomy now. So every time my wife loves Grey's Anatomy and I I sit and watch it with her. And every time he has a scene and he says something, I say, but wait, he's going to go back in time and change it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but, um, basically in the, the first uh, few episodes, he starts going back in time and he doesn't really understand why, you know, it it just happens, but he's always kind of connected to somebody. Every time he goes back, he finds himself in proximity of the same person. Uh, through through that particular episode, and he knows that he has to do something that's gonna affect their life and and change it, and, or something with their. You know, he he left. I, I say leap. He left. He right, went. He it went almost back. was that. Yeah, yeah. He went back in the second or third episode to the seventies and helped uh, deliver this baby on a plane. When he went back the second time, he wasn't connected to the woman that he helped deliver the baby he was connected to the girl that was the baby you know and he kind of did some stuff to change her but there was a lot of stuff going on towards the end of the the first season which it was the only season that kind of led you to believe that there's going to be more to it because he's kind of starting to get an idea of why this is happening he's he's meeting his uh former wife in the past she's been she's going back and forth in time too he thought she mm-hmm. was dead you know but uh it was a weird concept but you know I I really liked especially the first uh I want to say the first 10 episodes were the only ones that they actually showed on television. I think the last 3 were only available online or something like that, but but yeah, if you I mean if you're able to go back, it's not on Netflix or Hulu or anything now, but you know, there's places online where you can still get it and uh, it's 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 worth a watch, I believe. I remember an NBC Universal representative. I'd like your name and address. <laughs> so security number, sample. How dare you? No. A convenient time to be picked up for incarceration, sir. <laughs> <laughs> A convenient time. How kind and nice of you to say that. I told you I'm Sorry. going with polite this this time. <laughs> you were saying. You were saying. Now I I remembered almost nothing about Journeyman. I remember watching it and just when you were talking about it, Sean, it was like. Oh yeah, that that happened, and the wife. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and then the plane. Yeah, and I remember that it got somewhat self-referential, and the only thing aside from that that I remembered was a scene in the rain where he digs up something that he buried that would not be able to be there because in his time when he was in the house there was a big patio there or something. Yeah, that's how, and he, that's how he proved to his wife that he wasn't lying about the time travel or whatever. Yeah, he went and picked up his wife's wedding ring at the uh, at the jeweler. I just went back and watched the pilot a few days ago. So he he went and picked up the wedding ring from the jeweler that he had been having fixed to give her as a as an anniversary present. And he goes and gets a toolbox from the uh, hardware store. And then the next time that he goes back, he has these items with him. He goes to where his house is going to be built and buries it so that when he goes back, he can right. go and bust up the uh, patio and he can pull it out. And there's a newspaper with the date. And uh, and he gives her the wedding ring and just tells her, I'll always come home, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, so 
And that's how they got their uh, their female eighteen to thirty five demo satisfied. Yeah. yeah, that's how she she because they didn't want to do an entire series where his wife doesn't believe that what he's doing, you know, even though nobody else is believing it, they wanted at least one person that he could talk to about it. You know, mm-hmm. how cynical of you. Sounds Chris. like somebody's going to have to have to talk about the lake house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's not we, on my list. Sir. <laughs> can we pretend that nobody said that? <laughs> yeah. You can cut that out of the show. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Anthony, go ahead with your next pick. If nobody had anything else to say about Journeyman, no, I mean you 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 made me remember it more than I think I ever would have. Yeah, hey, I mean, I, I thought it was a I thought it was a good show at the time. It was another one of those that my big thing with uh, time travel is that I like stuff that the time travel just happens. You know, it's not you don't get into a time machine every week and go to a different time. You know, which I, I mean, I love Back to the Future. But I'd rather see something along the lines of this where, it, you know, or Quantum Leap, where the time travel is not the main part of the show. It just it's just something that happens. It's how we get to the story, you know, so. Right. So you don't really like time travel. You just like it as a device. I, I like I mean, I like time travel. I just I, I don't particularly care for. Oh, I just built this big time machine. Yeah. Right. It's funny. We discussed this, I think, on our first episode. Just it, it seems to me that um, the proportion of the explanation of the time travel is directly proportional to the type of story you want to tell. So the more romantic sort of broad stories, the time travel just happens. It's right. hypnopis, hypnosis or Groundhog Day or something like that. It's, it is just a device where you get into more geeky territory like I like. It becomes an intricate part of the story and integral to sort of the plot and the whole the whole premise of the show or right. the movie, you know. And mm-hmm. I find myself on the other side of that spectrum from you. Well there are some of those that I that I that I do like. It just yeah, I mean it just depends on what grabs me. You know, I've I, sure. I've got I've got a, a couple that I'll probably bring up later that are along those lines, but go ahead, yes. Anthony, what was your next pick? I mean, speaking of, because just you saying that, the next thing that comes to mind, it's not on my list, but what about the time machine from 1960? I like anyone? Anyone? Um, no, I love, I love the original a, time machine. Yeah, great, I like, great I like movie. It. I remember that's seeing the, it as a kid, yeah. Yeah, I saw it yeah, on, I, on Turner for the first time about four years ago, and I'm a huge fan of the book. I love the novel. I thought it was a great adaptation of the novel. I didn't really care for the remake. No. Who no. did? Yeah. Me either. <laughs> no. No. Not the in this only thing about that movie either. was that beautiful time machine. Man, they made a beautiful machine, man, but the movie was crap. <laughs> yeah, it's when you take those old classic novels and you try to turn turn them into modern science fiction and it doesn't always work. And that's, I remember, that's uh, one of the just one going of the off on that. that. This woman can speak English because she, she had random signs like subway and stop. And yeah, that that gives you plenty of context to learn a language. It's so, it's so ridiculous, yeah. you know. Weena, poor Weena. You're gonna do that to Weena? I mean, she's a good character. What do you yeah. have to you have to make her into some kind of strong, independent woman of the future? Because that's nonsense. That's just they need to appeal to a certain demographic now, you know. And yeah. it's just so so they they have to make a kick ass female character, even where it's just completely implausible, you know. But that's that was my my big nitpick with that movie. Aside from the fact that it was terrible, I just thought it <laughs> yeah. it, it, it completely it, it tried to modernize something that didn't need to be modernized 
in the context of that story. Because in the context of that story, she was just food. The end. Right. right. You know? So. And the original, so, when he's sitting in that machine and he cranks on that lever and everything just starts to move. And I don't care how dated that looked. As a kid, again, that was just a mind-blowing experience of watching you know, him go through time. Uh, unlike a Marty McFly, boom, you're there, you know, to watch things move and then get dusty and then grow old and get rebuilt. And uh, I just thought such such an imagination. I, I enjoyed that movie. A Did lot. you ever see the Big Bang Theory episode where they bought the replica oh, of sure. the time machine <laughs> and they activate it and all and all the other guys start moving around real fast around the room? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I do recall. I, I will be an unabashed fan of Big Bang Theory, even though I know it's not popular in um in oh, I love sci-fi geek circles. You're oh. supposed to really hate the Big Bang Theory and denigrate it and those who like it, but it's one of the shows I can watch with my wife. She likes it too, and we don't get to watch much stuff together. So, yeah. she's a she's a fan of much different type of entertainment than I am. So, whenever yeah. we find something that we can watch together, I'll cling to it like cling to it like grim death because, it, you know, it's time we can spend enjoying something. You know, yeah, Chris, exactly. is she Same a here. Twilight fan? You can admit. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> my wife is all about documentaries and nonfiction. Today, I was working on my website, my science fiction website, and in the background, I heard documentaries about. Honor killings in India, and then another one about Ebola. So, my she wife is, and I would get along. <laughs> she's, I'm a big documentary fan. She's a much more hardcore, you know, news world realism, and I'm much more do 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 do. Yeah, my wife apologizes. My wife, I really watching, do. Uh, <laughs> <As> I saw, <laughs> to call anyone a Twilight fan, especially someone like that, how terrible of me. <laughs> my wife's always watching uh, Food Network and. Uh, Say yes to the dress and that kind of stuff. Oh, there you so. go. <laughs> yeah, when she's yeah. not watching documentaries, it's either House Hunters or one of those horrible Housewives shows. Yeah, <laughs> she has she has her guilty pleasure. She has her escapes, but um, no, usually she's she's head and shoulders above me and just you know the caliber of the content that she engages in. So. Minus yeah. the Housewives stuff. Yes, <laughs> you minus, should approach my... her. You should approach your wife and say, "Honey, I think we should watch the act of killing and the look of silence tonight." <laughs> that that was a documentary from a few years ago, right? The Act of Killing. I kind of remember uh, getting, that getting, yeah, getting a lot of buzz. That getting a lot of buzz. I think they just recently put them on Netflix. Um, Look of Silence, 2014. Act of Killing, 2012. Is that the same team that made those two? Uh, yep, I believe so. Yeah. I haven't seen either, so I can't speak to them. Uh, neither have I, but they are in the queue, as I like to say. <laughs> Go ahead with your next pick, Anthony. All right. So I have a, a couple honorable mentions. I have one that's kind of a feeler that I want to see if you guys have seen it yet. But for me, I'm going to my number one and sort of like Back to the Future, where if I see the first one, I have to see the second one and maybe forget about the third one. But I am going with The Terminator. Okay. I love so, it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, no. Probably saw this way too young. I remember I was about four years old when I saw it with my dad. Um, dad but rocks. Actually, oh yeah. I mean, we watched, <laughs> I had kind That's of a cool a, dad. Come here, son, yeah. let me show you something cool. Come on. I, oh yeah. Don't like, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like, there's this funny story about how I saw RoboCop when I was about five. Oh, and your dad's amazing. Next- <laughs> greatest dad ever yep 
So it kind of explains a lot about my childhood. But I remember seeing RoboCop and then going into school the next day and saying something about it. And then the teacher may or may not have contacted my parents at the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Be honest. Be honest. When you walked into school the next day after watching RoboCop, did you look at the other simpletons among you and realize how head and shoulders you now were above all of them? (laughs) Mere peons. (laughs) There you go. You knew something they had no clue of. Yeah, oh, yeah. especially like... especially because where I grew up, uh, the kid across the street, his mother was very, very religious. So she wasn't really happy with me when I showed him my tape of Return of the Living Dead when we were about seven. Oh, come on. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that movie. I think we watched that movie, that movie twice a day, every day for an entire summer. Oh, I love it so much. There's a really good, like, making of of all of those movies. Uh, I believe there's somebody has them on YouTube if you can still see them if they haven't been taken down yet. But uh, let me know. But yes. So Terminator, love the first one. So good. You know, who hasn't seen it? Robot goes back in time, kill Sarah Connor before she has her child. Um and then, of course, you know, in the second one, the robot gets sent back for good. But just the whole sci-fi element, like, when I, I remember when I first saw that, like, my mind was just completely blown. Because I had never seen anything like that. I mean, the puppetry of the robots, uh, you know, the lasers, the horror elements of it, too. Uh, I'm not exactly sure about this, but I think the working title for the Terminator was Robo Slasher before they decided <laughs> to change it. Because basically, it's a slasher film with yeah. a robot. Yeah, pretty much. But, well, yeah. So good. This is one of those ones where they... More of the first one got played a lot more on like TNT when I was growing up. And it was one of those ones where you know, no matter what, no matter where it was in the film, like I would just watch it if it was on TV. Right. I thought I thought it was good when I was a kid, and I didn't know much about it. So that famous "I'll be back" scene, and then he barrels in with that car. I mean, that mm-hmm. blew me away. I thought that was amazing. And then, you know, getting into all the time travel stuff, I thought that was really good too. And um, you know, that was when Schwarzenegger. That's when he became king. So yeah. throughout yeah. my high school years, I mean, there was a Schwarzenegger movie every year, and you basically had to see it whether you wanted to or not. You know. It was just de rigueur. It was, you had to do it. And at least we had some good ones like Terminator and Predator to, to keep us going through the uh, the other. Was the one, where's the one where Mil- Alyssa Milano is his daughter? That one was awful. Commando. That was Commando. No, uh, okay. I was, yeah. Get to the top No, that was Predator. Oh, was that Predator? I thought that was Commando. Get to the okay. chopper was Predator. Yeah. Um, commando was blow off some. Oh, no, no, no. Was that blow off some steam? Uh, anyways, I, blo- I probably blocked it out. <laughs> yeah, well, for breakfast. And so they got like, his career and started making films like Junior and <laughs> Kindergarten Cop. It's a very funny love movie. Kindergarten Cop. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> don't forget Twins. Yeah, Twins. They're making another Twins, from what I hear. There's a rumor anyway that uh, Schwarzenegger and DeVito are supposed to be getting back together to do another Twins, and Eddie Murphy is supposed to be their their brother as well, and it's going to be triplets. called Triplets. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, Eddie Murphy. So listen, that rumor has been around for about four years now. So we'll sort see of back if on what happens. Okay. Yeah. He was well, you to know, Star Trek Four too. So. Yeah. 
but uh yeah terminator so good uh i just lost my train of thought with twins so thanks for giving me <laughs> but you know i was a huge 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 schwarzenegger fan when i grew up like i not sorry to step on anybody's toes here but i was born in 84 and you know that's right around that time where his stuff was on TV, and then when DVD came out, like, I I probably own a lot more Schwarzenegger films than I should, mm. but he was a big, big, big part of my childhood, and, you know, for somebody that young to just see somebody with that physique, like, it was superhuman, and I just didn't even know that a human being could look like that, mm. but, yeah, huge part of my childhood, so what do you think about uh the uh the last one uh Terminator Genesis did you ever watch it I I refuse to see it I will not pay to see it Yeah I uh, think I think most of America said the same thing because yeah. <laughs> they've basically right, canceled right, 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 right. the they basically canceled the rest of the franchise they were going to make a sequel to that they left it open but now it's it's not going to happen so well, Yeah I didn't say that it actually made money overseas so the rumor is it didn't do as bad as we all thought which is a shame because it I didn't see it either and I refused to <laughs> I really well, want to see it because I have no no vested love of the Terminator franchise where it's going to ruin it for me. Yeah. Because I well we we'll get to our least favorites and then I'll 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 go I'll go forth with all that. But Terminator um, three. Uh, no, think again. <laughs> but anyway. Okay. Well, uh, Skipper, you want to do your next pick? Um. You know, if I, if I have to uh, even ma- make any other mention to anything time travel related, this isn't fair. But um. Return of the Living Dead. Let's go back to that for a second. Okay. <laughs> that was freaking great, man. I, I, I hate the, or, the Gallagher. Was it medics or cops? Send more paramedics. Fly, <laughs> Send more right? cops. I mean, that, when we talk about those mind-blowing scenes where, you know, you just go, oh, no, right? They spend a good half an hour trying to get rid of this poor zombie. Cut it up. Nothing works. Throw it in the, you know, throw it in the, uh, in the, oh, what, what, what the, the big fire. The incinerator, and then poosh up into the atmosphere, and you see it raining. And as a kid, I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> no, when that when the skeleton came out of the ground and opened its eyes, and do you want to party? That was when yeah, I was yeah, like, "Yeah!" We stood up in the theater and cheered. It was so yeah. awesome. <laughs> it was like too too great, too cool for school. <laughs> I, I couldn't possibly have a time travel choice that will be that cool. But you know, to answer a question because it was it was put to me, uh, Quantum Leap is going to have to be in. I have to mention it. It's my favorite time travel. It's my favorite show of all time. But uh, I have to be a jerk about it and say it ain't because of the time travel. That's my least favorite part of it. It's really about the characters of Sam Beckett and uh, Al Calavici. And my favorite thing about that show, regardless of the characters, is every week, probably around the 45-minute mark watching that show, I'm almost done with this episode. It doesn't even matter anymore. He's going to save the day and he'll leave. But where is he going to go to right. next? Yeah. And so every show had a built-in cliffhanger, probably like the old serials. And you couldn't wait to see him leap. Who knows where he's going to land? And it's always going to be in a cliffhanger. And what does that mean? Oh, I got to wait another week. And so <laughs> uh, even though it, it had, the time travel is certainly more of a device, I would argue that Donald P. Belisario created something. That was incredibly unique and engaging, and it made me – it forced me to want to come back and see it every week. So I, I have to throw it out and throw out my uh, my love for Guam League. 
Uh, you know, you know me, my history with Quantum Leap. I'm not going to argue with you on any of those points, sir, except for the fact that I enjoyed the time travel aspects of it as well. And I think they started to play with that a little bit in the fourth series, fourth season cliffhanger um, with Bingo Bango Bongo and Roddy McDowell coming in and oh. uh, being Sinjin. I kind of liked that. I thought that what was a great show. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, the leap for Lisa. Leap for Lisa. Yep. Yeah. Too so, good. I mean, they, they, they weren't shy about at least playing with the time travel occasionally. And I liked that part of it. I also liked, you know, those are the fan favorite episodes, though. Those are the geek ones with like the leap, the leap back and the leap home and even leap between the states. At yeah. least they were trying to shake it up somewhat because it's one thing I've noticed with Quantum Leap. It stands up very well, but it's still a creature of its time. It's it's still 90s television a lot of the times. So sometimes the stories, even though they ring true emotionally and they're very engaging, a little too pat, a little too safe, a little, a little too, too predictable. Simple. Yeah, yeah. You know? And while they work in the context of the show, sometimes you want to see something like a black on white on fire that transcends that, where it talks about stuff in a real way that's not really neat. That's not really wrapped up in a bow at the end or when they play with the time travel to get more into the geeky aspect of it. And that's when I liked it best. So I'm going to go with you, Skip, and say, of course, Quantum Leap, best show of all time or one of them. But I enjoy the time travel just as much as I enjoy everything else. Yeah, it's, it's one that um, and we, I've heard a lot of people say, well, this is a show that could have gone on forever, which I mean, story wise. Yeah, we could have come up with stories forever to keep the show going. But I read an interview. A lot. It's been a long time since I read this, but uh, with uh, Belisario, if I'm saying his name right. Yep. He um, he did an interview in a magazine where he kind of talked about some of the places that he wanted to go in future seasons and. I'm kind of glad that they stopped when they did because I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, he was he was he was toying with the idea of having him leap into a cartoon. Yep, and uh, and having him leap into Magnum PI at one point. Yep, you know, so, <laughs> so which the Magnum might have been interesting if they could have got Tom Selleck to do it and could have got all the rights and stuff. But you know, I even saw some um, some wets as they call them. I guess so is that what they call them, Skip? When it's just like the uh, the dailies, basically. And they had Scott on the blue screen, um, sort of with his back to the camera in a Hawaiian shirt and putting his, you know, looking over his shoulder and doing the eyebrow wiggle, which was the Magnum trademark. And they did a couple of takes with just Scott doing it. And then he turns around on like the third or fourth take and he's wearing a big false mustache. And of course, <laughs> that always breaks up all the congoers, you know. Yeah. So he was really intent. He wanted to do that badly, despite the fact that Magnum in Quantum Leap Universe was a TV show that they referenced not once but twice in the series. Yeah, I, I remember him doing that at yeah. least once. Yeah. But but yeah, uh, can actually, I just... they never they never let the rules get in the way on that show. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Chris, I, I think you and say. I actually went to the same con, the Leap, uh, the Leap Con. I uh, think you and I went to the exact same con. Leap, I remember them well, showing well, up. Well, but, I've been to a few, but you're talking about in Cali Leap Back 09? Yeah, I think so, in California. I was a, I was a guest there. I was an author guest. So well, you know, you know who gives a shit about the authors? Exactly. I didn't go anywhere near them. <laughs> you might have to bleep that. I don't, we have to be radio-friendly on this show, I think. <laughs> 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 but we're talking about Quantum Leap authors. It's so apropos. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but I do remember uh, uh, they did – this was the final season, and they were talking about what could happen in the finale. So I don't know if that was the right year or not. Am I wrong or right? Well, here's that the leap back was the 25th anniversary where Scott and Don were on stage talking about it and Dean joined them by phone and no. Deborah was there as well. So it was a huge deal. 
And they had, I think, you know, eight panels a day packed with five actors each for five days straight because anybody that worked on that show was like, yeah, I'll come talk about it because everybody universally had the time of their life. It's the best job they ever had. You know, I was on one episode 25 years ago, but I'll come to this con in California to talk about it because I still remember it that fondly. Yeah. So when when I went, Skip, there was a huge mock-up of the troll room control panel, like Ziggy's uh, Ziggy's console, where Al would get the handling. Uh, yeah, they did that more than once. The one I was at had to have been in 93 because they didn't know if the show was being picked up or not. Oh, yeah. no. See, this was – no, this was the 20, the 25-year or the 20-year anniversary. No. This was in 09. No, and they were talking about uh, where the show might be able to go, and I think they – they made everyone ooh and ah when they said something to the effect of, uh, and in the finale episode, Sam may or may not be talking to a character that could or could not be God. And the whole audience went, what? Oh, okay, yeah, no, all of my leaves are all post-mirror image, all of my cons, because I didn't start going until I was working on pitching my book. So I went to a couple of small cons in Jersey, and then... Um, Brian Green, who put together the Leap Back 09, contacted me as an author. At that point, I had been an author. And he said, you want to come talk about the process of selling the book? So I was on a panel with a bunch of other authors. Very cool. Very cool. Different cons. We had, Skipper, our paths did not cross, even though that would make a neat time travel <laughs> device, right? <laughs> if we travel back and say, this Skipper, there he is, and there I am. And look, we just passed each other in the hall. Just missed each other. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, don't screw it up because then there won't be an 112263 podcast. You're going to ruin history. <laughs> You're going to change the past. Yeah. <laughs> so if I could mention just like one thing that's about uh, what we were talking about before. So I actually have from Return of the Living Dead a figurine of Tarman that is a tribute to my oh, childhood. Nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. That might have been one of the best practical effects ever committed to film. That oh, best zombie of all time, in my opinion. More brains. He was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. So people, I mean, we, we've gone into a niche here. If you people haven't seen that, you have to go see it. And um, it has Linnea Quigley dancing naked on a tombstone. So you have well, that too. All that and more. As long as you don't if stick he, with all the sequels and go into Return Return of the Living Dead, Rave from the Grave. Yeah. No, I didn't no. say anything about the sequels. Yeah. <laughs> Just the one, man. I think that was one of the first zombie movies where the zombies ran. Yeah, they running flying yep. tackles. Yeah. It wasn't so, just the shambling Romero zombies. They were and like they were badass. talking. Yeah, yeah. Send more cops and uh, well, that, that was actually the first one that introduced the whole concept of zombies actually eating brains, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're correct. You are uh, absolutely correct. But come on, who who can forget the dog? Oh, yes. The biology dog. (laughs) Cut in half dog. And then the line it made as it was being beaten to death. (laughs) (laughs) With a crutch. With a crutch. (laughs) crutch. (laughs) Go see this movie. I need to go see it tonight. (laughs) So as your people can tell, um, Skip and I like to go off on tangents in our podcast. and (laughs) We'll we'll circle back around eventually. Eventually. uh, You might have to cut this into two or three episodes. For your we listeners, no, time travel, fine. you know, well, the, the, dead the time travel. We need, they need to make a time travel zombie movie. Maybe. <laughs> no, be... I did TM right here. Found <laughs> it out. The... Found our next podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have an idea for a time travel movie, but we should probably mention that at the end of the show. 
Um, but yeah, like, you know, that naked yellow zombie that gets the, the pickaxe at the back of the head and that scream, I mm-hmm. will always remember that. Yeah, that's amazing. That's that's the medical, the one with perfect teeth, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Sitting under the tarp with, with almost like with the picks in its ears. And it's squirming around. I, yeah, I remember the that. The great thing awesome. about that movie is they reference the other Ramiro zombie movies, and they're saying, well, it worked in the movie. It well, worked. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, ta- all right. Gulliger. So Wasn't technically. Gulliger in that movie? Clue right? Gallagher. Yeah, the technically, all of the, uh, all of the Return of the Living Dead films are sequels to the Night of the Living Dead Romero films because those two filmmakers worked together on that first film. And then after it, there was a copyright issue where uh, one of them wanted to go one way, which I can't remember the guy that uh, the guy's name that did Return of the Living Dead. He wanted to go one way. Romero wanted to go a different way. And since uh, the movie really belonged to both of them, they split up and and they did Return of the Living Dead uh, and uh, Dawn of the Dead are both actually sequels to that. To, to Night of the Living Dead. That's why all of the Return of the Living Dead films have Living Dead in them. The Romero films just have Dead in the title. You know, I always yes, thought that it was an homage. I had no idea that someone who was on the original film was involved in making. Yeah, he, I don't know if it was the director, if it was just someone who had who had, you know, some rights or whatever. But you know, they they are te- Dawn of the Dead and Return of the Living Dead are technically both sequels to Night of the Living Dead. Even though yeah. Return, of, Return of the Living Dead is more of a comedy. Than, and Return of the Living Dead the references Dead. it as a movie. So yeah. how can it be a sequel? It's, well, yeah. it's almost like Human Centipede. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> that wasn't the first thing that came to mind. But Listen, I have many weird <laughs> things going on goes, up here. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds to me like we kind of need to do like a zombie show in the future, hopefully, <laughs> if we can get you back. Well, I've never tried to keep would, Chris in a corner. Won't work. I would like to encourage you guys to check out More Brains, A Return to the Living Dead. Uh, that's the documentary. And they actually did, I believe it's only like 40 minutes. And then they did They Won't Stay Dead, which is about the second one. And then I forget what the third one is, but they have uh, short little documentaries about all those, you know, Living Dead movies, if you wanted to check that out. Thank you. And All while right. we're on the subject, let's talk about the remake of Dawn of the Dead with Bing Rames. That oh, was well, an amazing we, film too. Absolutely. But, yeah, we, we definitely have a whole other show in this. Guy. Yeah, I mean, As, if, if can... I can if I can produce your podcast, call <laughs> us back in a couple of weeks. We'll do three hours on this. Oh, absolutely. Oh, sure. Because I mean, we could talk about the Tom Savini remake of Night of the Living Dead too. Sure, sure. The one in the nineties, yeah, yeah, ninety one. Color one. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the the guy that played the Candyman and who was on Star Trek, Tony Todd. He played a yes, yes, yes. Thank you. I know. <laughs> I remember him as you know the Chadich in that Klingon episode, but couldn't remember his name. Yeah, <laughs> he was the visitor in Deep Space Nine episode. He's wonderful. He played yeah. Jake, he played a, a adult an adult version of Jake Sisko in a Deep Space Nine episode as well. That's the one I'm talking about. The oh, is that the one you? Okay, yeah. yeah I, I don't remember all the titles, but <laughs> I remember that he was in that one where that guy did that thing. You know, <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah, wasn't like that, that awesome? <laughs> it was almost as good as that other one where that guy did some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everything in, in our the thing. brain kind of runs together a little bit, where it's like, yeah, it's the guy from the thing, and he was is the, the, you know. Well, now, he's doing, now he's doing. Uh, you talk. Well, Ving Ving Rains. Yeah, Ving Rains is doing the Arby's commercials now. So <laughs> really, yeah. 
Oh, that's Ving Rhames? Yeah, they got the same. We, that, we that have the meat. annoyed the hell out of me. Yeah, that's, that's Ving Rhames. Huh. Yeah. Now, but, now my estimation of Ving Rhames has just dropped a little. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, let, yeah. me back to, uh, let, let me go back to time travel. For yeah, let's go. I wanted to mention one more time. trying to write this shit, isn't he? I wanted to mention one more film before... Before we ended, and you know, if you guys have any more, we'll do like an honorable mention segment here. But uh, Frequency is one of my favorite. Uh, I'll call it a time travel movie. Nobody really have, ever actually travels through time in this film, but came out in two thousand. Dennis Quaid, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah Jim Caviezel and Dennis Quaid, Andre Brower and Elizabeth Mitchell. Oh, I remember and, that. Uh, really good. It's a time travel movie where nobody travels through time because basically. Caviezel uh, pulls his dad's old ham radio out, and there's a... Old radio? Did you say <laughs> old radio? <laughs> it's a ham radio. It's a ham radio. <laughs> but uh, Sorry, sorry. But there's an ion storm, and it causes the signal to bounce back in time, and he's able to communicate with his father in the same house. Oh, so it's a documentary. <laughs> but uh, the one thing I, I remember loving that film, but I just remember being even in the theater as a as a teenager saying the Northern Lights over Queens, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what they were saying. They were saying that the that the ion storm was so strong that it, that you were able to see the Northern Lights. But yeah, they they were a bit south for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, he's able to he's able to save his dad by warning him about his death. Uh, in the in the first act of the of the film and but by doing that he changes the history and causes his mother to become the victim of a serial killer back in the in the past Mm -hmm. so it so it's got a lot of it's got time travel it's got mystery you know um they kind of get wonky for a lack of a good word with the timeline stuff because they pull a whole they pull a bill and ted stunt towards the end of the film where his dad uh his dad puts his wallet in a like a ziploc bag or something puts it into a chest in the past so that he can get the fingerprints off of it in the future mm-hmm. and uh and like immediately he pulls it out of the chest and says oh i got it you know so <laughs> that was one of my favorite scenes in bill and ted when they found the keys yeah that blew my mind. i was like that's amazing that yeah, was so cool so, so. Well, the keys right here and then reach down to pick them up <laughs> and they are yeah <laughs> but, duck but without without spoiling the movie for too much for you know it's a 16 year old movie but there's a scene towards the end where the timeline changes around him and all of the furniture and the wallpaper in the house start to change while he's standing there looking at it. And I thought that was a pretty cool, cool, uh, visual effect, but yeah, I remember enjoying that movie immensely. That's a good pick. That's a good pull. Yeah. Excellent pick. I remember really loving it. Have you ever seen Andy? Uh, have not frequency. That's a good one. I, I, I don't know if it's on Netflix or Hulu or anything like that, but if it is, it came up in the research. Uh, as I was doing some research for the topic, but uh, I can look it up right now if you want to keep talking. No, it's another one that uh, I think we'd all recommend. You should you should see that as well, as well as Live Die Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow, whatever. Oh, yeah, believe these me, days. I, <laughs> I want to give out some honorable mentions. These are movies that I won't really go into in detail, but they uh, but they are on some of my favorites. But um, about time, I don't know if you guys ever saw that. It's got Bill Bill Nighy in it. Dom Hanal Gleason, Rachel McAdams, and it's another one where basically you know everybody in the in this fam- the men in this family can travel through time. They're, they don't give any reason why it just 
it just happens. We can travel in time. That, no. That's fairly recent, that film, right? Yeah, so yeah, it just old. came out 2013. Is when yeah, it. a friend of mine really loved it. He said, I should see it. I would really like it. But I, as yet, I haven't. Yeah, and I, th- I think it is on Netflix. So, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a good pick. And then another one is I, I love the uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode, All Good Things. is a great time travel episode, in my opinion. And a lot of people diss on the butterfly effect, but I actually kind of kind of like it. Not, not the so Ashton like, Kutcher movie? Yeah, Ashton. yeah, that was so manipulative. Not because of Ashton Kutcher. I just the the the. the oh, I, I like uh, him though. He just keeps going back to the same points, and well, that didn't work out. Let me go back and do it again, you know. And but do you remember what what happened in that movie? I mean, just in order to make you feel bad for the main character, they went so over the top. First, they blew up a mailbox full of puppies or something, <laughs> and then they had him all of a sudden being the victim of some pedophile taping, like. Yeah sex acts in his basement and it was just like how much more can we punch you in the gut with how horrible this character's life is yeah and it just seemed to be a lot of cheap tricks in that film you know i i don't mind ashton kutcher i think he's actually really funny i think he's i enjoy watching his stuff i just oh that movie was uh i never mind you 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 get get yeah yeah but he uh yeah they made two sequels to the film and i saw the second one it was not good. I didn't bother with the third one. Neither one of them had any of the original cast in it. They were they were about different people. But who um, played who played his roommate in that movie? Was that uh, Ethan Suppley from Earl? I don't. I want to say it yeah, was. I think it was. I think it was. Okay. Yeah. Good. He that I'm was before because before before he was on uh, My Name Is Earl, he lost a lot of weight. So that was before before his weight loss. So he's right, so that was between Boy Meets World and My Name Is Earl. Yeah. Okay. And then Amy Smart's in that film as well. And, you know, Lois Lane herself. <laughs> no, Amy Smart, not uh, Amy. Um, oh, that's Amy Adams. Yeah. Amy Adams. Yeah. Amy, Is Amy Smart. Smart Road Trip, the blonde from Road Trip. Yeah, yes. I think. So. OK, I like her, too. So. Yeah. All right. So it still passes muster. <laughs> in the mind. So uh, do, do you guys have any um, honorable mentions you want to you want to bring up? Uh, I got plenty. Chris, you go first. OK, um, I'm going to definitely have to bring up Primer which I thought was one of the most interesting puzzle box movies. Um, and again, all about the time travel. And I've seen infographics online that explain the movie to me. And every time I watch it, I lose the thread of it. So I'm <laughs> continuously just cursing Shane Curreth and lauding him because it's a movie that is not apologetic in its intricacy. And yeah. I always enjoy it, even though half the time I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Um, other... Oh geez, how can you forget Voyagers, the the show from the eighties with Phineas uh, Bogg and uh, Jeffrey yeah. traveling together with the Omni? I love that. I love that show as a kid. And uh, if we're going to go individual episodes with time travel, uh, Troubles, Trials, and Tribulations from Deep Space Nine when oh, they yeah. go back when they go yeah. back to trouble, trouble with Tribbles. Love I started. To, I started to bring that one up too. That's that's yeah. one of my favorites as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that that's a good one. And if I'm just if I can do one more, there's a book called Palimpsest by a novelist uh, named Charles Strauss. It's a novella that he wrote. It is probably the best time travel book I've ever read. So you guys can look that up. It's called Palimpsest Strauss, S-T-R-O-S-S. But it's about a time traveler and it sort of turns the grandfather paradox on its head. And that's what I loved about it. It just goes into weird, bold directions. And at the end, kind of ends up right where it began. So it's like a whole I called it in my review like a narrative Mobius strip. There's really no beginning or end, and it, it all fits together. It's really a neat, a neat read. 
And with Primer, my, my, my co-host, uh, John assigned that film to me. Um, uh, when we first started doing the podcast, me and him were assigning films to each other. And that was one that he gave me and I enjoyed it, but it gave me a headache. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I told him I almost needed a time machine to go back and, and be able to watch it again. Cause I didn't have time between shows to watch it more than once. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, there, uh, there is a lot going on in that film. You you really have to pay attention and you probably have to watch it more than once. If you really want to know what's going on. Or in my case, more than 12 to 15 times, because I still <laughs> yeah. don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Skipper. I think an easy choice for me, which might be an odd choice, uh, Bill and Ted's bogus journey only for William Sadler as the grim friggin reaper. Yeah. <laughs> for that alone, there's a lot I love about that movie. And I love that movie for its own thing that it's so very, very different from the first movie. And it just had a, a different, darker, fun vibe to it. It's got plenty of problems, but as a funny time travel movie and just the grim reaper loved it. But then if we're going back into, individual episodes you can't even mention star trek without saying you know edith keeler must die city on the edge of forever yeah. and um yesterday's well, enterprise might sue you <laughs> all right uh yesterday's enterprise and uh, another one that i absolutely love is star trek first contact uh, i love That's that great great film great soundtrack too. yeah first first contact is a is a good time travel film um and then you get into the idea of you know um the first, the 2009 Star Trek film where they start to, instead of going back in the past and changing things, when you go back in the past, you just create a whole new universe and, mm -hmm. and, and whole new things happen, you mm -hmm. know, as opposed to stuff like, um, like Lost. I think Lost was on my list that I didn't bring it up, but you know, another, it was kind of what you were saying before, Chris, where, um, the past has already happened. You can't change it. Right. When you go back, that's, you've always done that. You know, you know. <laughs> it really annoyed me though on Lost because they went back eventually and Sawyer and, and um, Juliet, Juliet, they were like, no, oh, they're part of the Dharma initiative now. And they still never explained what the hell the Dharma initiative was. And yeah, just you like, never really found that. Why do you have to be so obtuse? It's just <laughs> like they're now living as part of the Dharma. And they still, nobody ever says, oh, you know, this thing that was so mysterious, all these hatches, this is what it's about. Nobody even thinks to ask. It, it drove me crazy, although I loved it. I loved Lost. Even I loved the last episode, even though a lot of people hated it. Well, but, I liked the last episode, but a lot of my friends, before the before the last episode aired, they were like, oh, they're going to answer all these questions. I was like, there's no way they're going to answer yeah, they all these questions in this one episode because the episode will have to be three days long mm. <laughs> to answer all that stuff, you know, so – yeah, definitely. And I think Lost was always a character study anyway. And that's what you watched it for because you loved the characters. The mystery part was very intriguing for the nerd in me. But at the end of the day, you would say you would start it out and say, oh, no, this is a gin episode. And then by the end of the episode, you're like, gin is the best character on the cast. Right. And then the next season, and he's just like, oh, no, this is a Locke episode. Oh, my God. Locke kicks so much ass. Yeah. You know, it was. Every every time you thought, oh, I don't want to get into this. Wait a minute. It was always so good at the end, you know? So that's that's where Lost stands up for me. And the time travel was just a neat a neat bonus for the later seasons. Yeah. Yeah. They never re they they the time travel didn't even start until what, season four or something like yeah, that? Season four, season five, yeah, yeah. When what was it when the hatch when the hatch had finally imploded or something. Yeah. I and we didn't even did realize it. that time travel was even gonna be a thing here. And then the yeah. last season they've been doing all these flashbacks throughout the whole season the whole series, and then all of a sudden in the last season, we're not getting flashbacks anymore, we're getting flashed sideways to an alternate yeah. 
Oh, and I think right, the right. second to last season was flash forwards. Yeah, so, yeah, it yeah. sure was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, and I didn't care that they never really explained it. Like I said, because I just loved all the characters. Yeah. So. All right. Does any do any of you uh, guys have anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> oh, do, are we going to be able to talk about least favorites? Can oh we, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. Can we ahead. crap on some films or? Yeah. Well, well I got over. Are we doing honorable mentions? Because I have just a few. Yeah, you can do your honorable mentions and then go ahead and if you have any least favorites, go ahead and do that too. All right. So as I said before, I have Edge of Tomorrow from Netflix sitting on my shelf. And I was trying to get that in before this episode, but I just couldn't. Um, But for honorable mentions, I haven't talked about it on the show before, but Donnie Darko. Mm. Anyone? Yeah, I lo- I really oh. I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting in the way they portrayed the time travel and but the the whole effect of what was like the bulge or the line coming out that, of the like, body. Yeah, and, and sort like of that, that like that precedes force. you into the future. You know, I, I I thought it was a very interesting film and I liked the fact that it was almost kind of like a loop in the end. Mm-hmm. If if I watched it correctly, you know, a lot of people at work were asking me about it cuz they knew I was a, tri- a time travel buff. And I just had to give them what I thought of it. And, you know, one guy, he just couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that it's time travel. And then it became a thing between he and I. He'd just look at me and go, time travel and walk away, you know. <laughs> so, I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I talked about that movie quite extensively with a lot of coworkers. And oh, I, thought, I thought it was very interesting from beginning to end. So, yeah, good, good honorable mention in my opinion. Yep. This was one that was just kind of given to me on a VHS tape by a friend. And it was like, hey, you have to watch this because I knew it was a cult favorite so i honestly went in knowing nothing about it and was just completely blown away by it uh fell in love with this movie and speaking of eleven twenty two sixty three, did any of you get the donnie darko reference at the end of the second episode the one that the one that hit skip over the head to the point where he hates all easter eggs from here on out yeah yeah Basically, i, I yeah. might have noticed yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was kind of like oh they did that wow they well, they did that all right. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, another one that is on my list is Run, Lola, Run. Good. So, German film. Have you guys That's heard of that? Yeah. I heard of it. I didn't know it was a time travel. I always thought it was like um, like a thriller, like a suspense kind of like mob is chasing me thriller. I didn't know it was a time travel film. Well, I mean, not time travel film in the sense where there's like a machine and a mad scientist and whatnot, but there is time manipulation. Cool. Yeah, she is going back and doing the same thing three different times in the film and coming out with a different outcome every time. So oh, I got to go watch so that now. I would I would say time bending, not really time traveling, if that makes any sense. Sure, sure. And last on my list, I mean, you know, Planet of the Apes, but I guess I just spoiled that one. Nah, it's okay. <laughs> 1969. <laughs> yeah, spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen that movie, you know, from that long ago. I don't and, see any time travel in it, right? Well, we span time. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. It's, it's time travel. Yeah. Well, he did. He did come to a different to a different uh, time period. He did. I was, he did. I was just. Here's the thing. No, let me ask you because I was just talking about this with my friend Howard the other night, and he said that planet the original Planet of the Apes was not time travel. They were somewhat in suspended animation, like Buck Rogers. Yeah. But I thought always that it was a time warp of some of some kind. Otherwise, how could they have the sequel where the other astronaut comes back and then the threequel where Cor- Cornelius and uh, what's her name? Zira. What, uh, 
whatever. When they come, when they come to our time, yeah, I mean, the, third, the third like one was time travel. Yeah, they did go back in time in the in the in the later sequel. I always thought that it was just suspended animation, just because when he gets out, you know, his the other astronaut is dead because I assume his seal was broken or something like that. Uh, but, see, I always thought yeah. it was a, oh, so maybe Taylor shouldn't be on my sci-fi madness uh, time time traveler list. This this I'll I'll tell you all about that later. But anyway, something to think about. Well, that's why it's only honorable mentions. But I enjoyed it. And as far as like the remake or the the Tim Burton one goes, I actually saw that twice in the theater. Once just because I was like with my sister. She was getting her prom dress and my parents were like, hey, here's five bucks. You know, go entertain yourself for a little while. And there was really nothing else in the theater. So I saw that again. Um, But... Yeah, Mark Wahlberg didn't really do that for me. As far as the new ones that are coming out, like The Rise of and uh, the other one, Dawn. I'm enjoying those. Yep. Yeah, they're amazing. They're amazing. Oh, yeah. And they alluded to the fact that the Mars mission disappeared in that, if you recall. Um, if you see uh, in, in the first one, in, uh, I guess it was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, you see a newspaper headline saying oh, Mar- Mars, Mars, yeah. Mars mission disappears, and you got to assume that that's Taylor. Yeah. And um, they're tying it into the original series, which always bolstered. It just bolstered what I always thought was they somehow got stuck in some kind of time warp. Yeah. Kind of bring it full circle with uh, James Franco. Uh, real quick aside for my notes on eleven twenty two six sixty three. The first thing I have is James Franco goatee more cursing than expected. <laughs> <laughs> I think people say that about our podcast as well. Possible. <laughs> Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have any anything that you wanted to say that was your least favorite? Mm. I mean, there's some Simpsons time travel episodes and a few <laughs> South Park ones, but I mean, eh, I don't really want to bash too much of them. I mean, are we really going to say It's a Wonderful Life, Christmas Story, or time travel movies? I mean, then we're kind of stretching the rules a little bit. I will say... I recently, for the topic, went back and watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and this was something that I kind of wrote off as a stoner comedy for such a long time, even though I had seen it and waited a while, and I went back to see it. And when I went back and saw it, I liked it. Uh, I thought it was all right, but you know, it just didn't really kind of capture the spirit, I guess, when I saw it the first time. Uh, but interesting little fact about that. The guy that plays Genghis Khan is the Asian terrorist and diehard that goes for the Hershey bar. Yeah, yeah that? that's him. He's, he's also in Big Trouble in Little China. Yep, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, well, diehard uh, kind of gets a little bit of a mention on this show. I kind of actually, I think every time I'm on this show, I've mentioned Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, we talk about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a great movie. So it's a good right. movie. I watch it annually on Christmas because I have no taste. and you've seen it's a wonderful life too many times and you're just tired of debating to yourself whether or not it is a time travel movie (laughs) i don't know where you get time travel from a christmas story but i'm gonna watch that with fresh eyes now too yeah i don't know where the time travel comes from in a christmas story other than it just takes place in the past but (laughs) oh no no i'm confusing myself not a christmas story the the ebenezer scrooge a christmas christmas oh okay sorry about that and there is manifest time travel in that, unless you think it all took place in um, in Scrooge's head, because yeah. the, he the clock strikes one three times in that. So yeah, true. Yeah, just when I was doing some research, that kind of came up, and I was like, ah, uh, well, <laughs> all right. Well, I thought it would be worthy to mention. 
Okay. Chris, what have you got for your uh, least favorite? Um, well, obvious ones like Time Cop. Which is terrible. <laughs> yeah. And um, I I was going to say Butterfly Effect. I just saw that uh, recent one, the MTV movie, where the kid was traveling through time. They went to – they used it to go back to like, I don't know, like Lollapalooza or something. Had an interesting <laughs> premise, but it just turned to crap in the end. I even forget what it's called. But probably my least favorite time travel movie is Terminator 2. <gasps> wow. What? I, always wait, I always wait for the gasps. Gasp! <laughs> <laughs> now, I really liked it while I was watching it, but it's when, again, what? give me a year on that, guys. 89? No, 93. Mm, yeah, 92, I want to say. 92, all right. So I, thought I was like full, full-fledged full time. 91. Yeah, so I was 21, okay. full-fledged time travel snob. You know, I was thinking I'm going to write this book, and I love time travel, and that's my thing. And at the end of T2... When the Terminator gets destroyed and Arnold gets destroyed and Skynet gets destroyed, it never reverted back. They still went ahead as if John Connor would be born. But at the end of that movie, then Sarah Connor should have just reverted back to her old life as like a waitress in the valley because John was never born. The term the Skynet was never born. You know what I mean? Kyle Reese would never have been sent back to father John Connor. So it annoyed me that they never gave a nod to that. They just went forward as if that that future still existed and everything that that future precipitated in the first film was never altered. And yeah. it, it, it drove me crazy. It drives me crazy to this day. I kind of like T3 better because what? <laughs> I listen, listen, I'll, I'll just say this because it at least went to an end point that made sense. Like he was it's I don't want to spoil it, but. No, it, no, it go more ahead, sense please. To me. Nobody should watch that film. Yeah, please, go spoil. Ahead, spoil away. No, no, basically, what Arnold, you think ostensibly they're trying to stop Judgment Day throughout the whole thing, but he's really just trying to save John so he survives Judgment Day. And he puts him in that bunker at the end. And it's just much more of a logical flow to me. It's, it's, there's no time travel shenanigans that ruin it. I you never, s- you never seem to, never, ever cease to amaze me. Never. I the whole Listen. thing was in T3, they were saying about how, you know, Judgment Day couldn't have been stopped. It could only have been prolonged or, and it, it pushed back. So, I mean, they were doing a little bit of that bending of the story. But I, I, but I guess really, I'm just not, you're, you're I'm not taking, invested in it. You're taking so. the robot that can augment its own breasts. Over Terminator <laughs> 2? Christiana <laughs> Locan, I think her name is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, here's the thing. I really enjoyed um, Patrick... Uh, Patrick, pa- Patrick Stewart? No, or, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I enjoyed Patrick Stewart, too. <laughs> well, I, I did not slow. know that he was in that little, little bit I of a know, um, there. It was Patrick, the one, the, was the, so the T, the T 1000, the morphing, the morphing Terminator. Yeah. Robert yeah. Patrick. Yeah. Robert Patrick. Yeah. Robert sorry. Patrick. Yeah. I, I thought he was amazing. I really liked that aspect of the movie. I liked the T 1000. I really liked the movie until the end when they just basically took a crap all over the time travel elements of it. Yeah. And that that's when it soured me. And it's the only thing I can really remember from that movie is just this lost opportunity opportunity at the end to follow through on the original premise and to and to really, you know, wrap it up the way it should have been wrapped up instead of just having Linda Hamilton looking at John playing on a swing set in the park. And it's just like, how is John born? Kyle never came back. Skynet never existed. What is what's the deal here? And I just none of, get it over. Any, none of it makes any sense. I mean, I kind of think you just have to shut your brain off and enjoy it. Oh, no, I don't I, I mean, want to do that. I mean, Back to the Future 2 is more consistent with the time travel 
than Terminator 2. That's saying something because it's a lot of shtick in Back to the Future 2, but it pretty much holds together except for this thing that you just said earlier in the show about if Marty's in the time machine, his future doesn't exist in any real way because he's disappeared for 30 years as far as anybody else is concerned. Right. So I don't know. Um, I just had a lot of problems in the moment when I saw that film in the theater 20 years ago or 25 years ago. Time – Time travel stuff aside, and you're just looking at Terminator 2 just as an action movie, how does it stack up? Um, terrific action movie. A little All bit right. too much chasing and explosions for my taste, but I know that's sort of like the flavor of the day. I thought it was interesting that they did a chase with that big rig instead of, you know, like small, fast cars like we grew up with in the 70s, watching the bandit outrun uh, Jackie Gleason in his Firebird. This is, we had an 18 wheeler doing yes. a huge chase sequence here. And I thought that was really neat. But, mm-hmm. you know, other than that, I, I, I found it to be somewhat action by the numbers, but the morphing Terminator sort of brought that part of it over the top. Yeah, I actually prefer the oh that version on the disc. I think it's the special edition when the T-1000 grabs a hold of some sort of a railing in the, the, uh, the plant at the end and he kind of gets like the colors from that bar on him because he's starting to degrade because of the heat. Yeah, but that. well, it was like it's on the disc. Yeah, it's like some sort of special, special, special edition of it that's on the disc. I actually think there's something where you have to actually put in the date that the nuke drops to actually access it. Okay. Yeah, it's some ultra nerdy like bonus feature. Sean, <laughs> just sounds, just cut like that out. Yeah. <laughs> no, you yeah, know you're fine. You're fine. All right. Well, uh, uh, Skipper, do you have anything you want to add before we wrap up? Uh, if, if I have to, you know, to wrap up, um, I would say that it would be a crime without, you know, even mentioning Army of Darkness, cause, you know, it's amazing. Um, but if we have to talk about movies that suck, um, on its own, Timeline sucks pretty bad as a movie. It's pretty awful. Um, but the reason that movie probably pisses off a lot of people, including myself, is because the book was so damn good. Yeah. Timeline, the book is very good. And it just makes that movie which is a heartbreaker because it was directed by Richard Donner. But yeah, that movie is a steaming pile of crap. Um, yeah, they uh, never really, they never really explained the time travel in the film the way that they do in the book, that they're not actually traveling through time. They're traveling to an alternate universe that's at a different point in their timeline than we are. So that, the, so that's, that's the time travel theory in that, in the book. Now in the movie, I don't think they say that at all. I think one thing that really gets lost when when people remember Timeline, it was especially the way it was described to me before I even read it, it was the kind of book that oh we're going to go back you know you know to this old you know to this ancient time and the very first thing is just utter total brutality and it was just this is a different time wake up and there was something really palpable and and you know awesome in the book it was just completely lost in the movie um, but as a pure guilty pleasure I love Hot Tub Time Machine. I didn't oh, see the sequel. I had no interest in the sequel, but I loved Hot Tub Time Machine. I just I thought it was very funny and almost lame, but you know, to the point of you know, I I'm a big John Cusack fan, and then what when he is getting that close to his first you know deep love, and you just see it all over him. I was right there with him. I was with my high school sweetheart going, 
Oh, come on. I mean, there was something about it I, I, I really connected to. Um, and it's not a great movie, but it was a definite, gu- definite, definite guilty pleasure. Hot Tub Time Machine. Well, yeah, and Cri- Crispin thing... Glover in, was pretty funny. Yes! The funny thing about it is uh, when Sean told me about this show, about time travel, and that we were going to have an author and his co-host on the show, I actually said to him, you know, can we mention Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Hot Tub Time Machine, or is that going to be too lowbrow for them? No way. No way. I love I was in the demographic for Bill and Ted. I saw that in the theater when I was in, I guess, middle school or high school. Same so here. I have nothing but good memories of Bill and Ted. Even the, even the sequel, I enjoyed the sequel greatly when I saw it in the theater. And I just saw Hot Tub Time Machine about a year ago, and I loved every second of it. So, so funny. Very nice to hear. Lowbrow. You can't nah, I like no, no, I loved it. I like the uh, the Hot Tub Time Machine. I like Hot Tub Time Machine too, um, not as much, but you know it was it's it's a stupid comedy. But it's on my list. It's the, on my list. The end of it, you know, when they start just going through time and just yeah, right before the credits or or it may be during the credits and they just you start seeing all these different versions and stuff like that. I thought that was hilarious when he he just shows up and then another version of him shows up and just blows him away and says, "Oh no, no, that one was bad." <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, I, I saw the I, first one. Have not seen the sequel, but really enjoy the first one. And I look, I look forward to seeing the second one. All right, was so, it a little bit unusual that these guys would think, "Well, we can't talk about that." I didn't say that. Well, I didn't no, say that. that Anthony had not. Anthony had not heard your show. <laughs> well, right. I hadn't heard your show, and I'm like, God, this guy. He's an author. Like, you know, this <laughs> this is a scholarly man. We can't be talking about no hot tub time machine. <laughs> well, thank you. Hear me you, laugh. <laughs> You okay. have you have the opinion Scholarly. of myself that I would love to project to the world. So you <laughs> you just keep right on thinking that, please, and tell everybody you know that I'm in my in my ivory tower typing away the great <laughs> American time travel novel, smoking jacket, wearing a smoking jacket. Yeah, my yes, uh, it's very it's very erudite with a lot of leather around here. And uh, <laughs> Chris, you have to tell your wife that you have to. <laughs> you won't know. You won't believe what these guys said about me. <laughs> now, well, she she sort of knows. Well, instead of a man cave, guys, I do have a library. So <laughs> say something that's that's pretty highbrow. Well, you know, it's even more highbrow if you call it a study, not a library. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a library. Actually, it's a bedroom with books, as my sister calls it. She says, come down off yourself. But uh, <laughs> I, I still call it my library. And uh, I also have season tickets to the opera. Does that count? Is that highbrow? <laughs> Well, telling you, he ain't getting that head through a door now. Forget it. <laughs> Skip knows me so, so well. <laughs> but you think, we I'm, go. think I'm smart? Let's let's let no. Let's keep on that. Let's keep on. Let's, let's keep on going. <laughs> okay. I love that new dynamic: the smart one and the dumb one. Golly, oh, yes, I wonder. I have, who to, I have to. About. I have to dissuade you uh, of of uh, you. You are not misinformed, but you you're mistaken. Skip is also an author. We're both authors. I've I've written I've written a quantum leap book and another book that's for sale on my website. But Skip is the creator of a graphic novel and uh, a published a author in his own that's right. So uh, I appreciate it, but no, he's the writer. Well, we can <laughs> yeah, we came to we come to the uh, point of the show where I want to give you guys a, a chance to to plug any projects that you're working on. So Skipper, if you want to plug that. Go for uh, it. Honestly, the first thing I'd like to say is uh, once again thanks to Chris for uh, and you guys for inviting me on the show. 
thanks to Albie Burge for hiring me on 112263. Thanks for Juan Muro for doing a wonderful job on our show. And uh, between the four of us and uh, Gabe Lamas, who does our uh, wonderful voiceovers, it's a great team. And uh, I hope uh, people check us out. Uh, for me personally, if you're looking for anything that I might have done, uh, BizarreNewWorld.com is where you find my graphic novel for sale. The entire book is uh, you know available for purchase. What would happen if the human race could suddenly fly? And I really take that to uh, to an extreme, and I, I explored the human race dealing with human uh, with flight. So that's me, bizarrenewworld.com. Very right. cool, Chris. You can find all of my stuff at deflipside.com. That's d e f l i p s i d e dot com. There you will find um, segments of my award-winning radio show, The Flipside. I talk about science and fiction and science fiction and anything that's sort of genre-related or science-related that's on my mind. It airs monthly on a local science fiction radio show here on Long Island called Destiny's The Voice of Science Fiction. You'll find a link to that on my website as well. You can also find a link to my original time travel novella. It's called The Seeker, a novella of truth. And it basically posits um, a story where a time traveler teams up with an invisible man to defeat a genie. And you can read all about it on my site. There's a little synopsis, and you can find links to both trade paperback and ebook versions in any format you can think of. Although I think they're doing away with Nook soon. So get your Nook copy in quick, people. I love, yeah, I love my, I love, I have the original, not the original Nook, but the one with the little swipe screen at the bottom. And it's my go-to reader because I love the way the screen is more like a printed page and everything. And now they're trying to phase it out. I'm like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> so you and, can find, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, please. No, I was going to say you can find that at theflipside.com, but there's a time-sensitive thing going on on my website now. I do it every year for March. It's called Sci-Fi Madness, and I do competitions between different sci-fi things. Last year it was like Movie Heroes. The year before it was Best Movie Franchise. This year it's about time travelers. I call it the Temporal Tempest. And there, it started with 64 time travelers competing in four different divisions. And today we just entered into this, the Elite Eight. It's sort of the division championships. By the time people hear this, we might be in the final four. We might even be in the championship round. But I want you guys to go and know that you can probably still vote. It looks like Marty McFly is really unstoppable. The <laughs> T-800 is really unstoppable. So you might be able to go and vote mm. for Bill and Ted even. Titans and, Clash. Uh, <laughs> right well what so, i'll do is I, I do like a pre-recorded preamble and where i kind of talk about who's on the show and what we talk about and i'll bring that up on that on that for the next the next episode to make okay, sure so that yeah you you keep in what i just said or cut it out depending on your schedule okay okay i don't want yeah, to co-opt your show any more than no I no problem had. no problem i would like to take this time to thank no one but just to gripe about something i saw in 11 63 <laughs> uh al the diner owner is there is a scene in the first episode where he is cleaning a cast iron skillet with soap in the sink. You don't do that. <laughs> How you own a diner, you are a sh- you are a professional chef. That is your livelihood. And how do you not know how to clean cast iron properly? I don't know if I'd call him a professional chef. He cooks well, burgers. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. his profession. Yeah. I don't think he would de-season his pan. Okay, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I get, I get exactly what you're saying. Um, you know, we, we have to skip. We've been remiss. Hmm. Hey, people out there, you might want to listen to the 112263 podcast. Um, you can find that at barrenspace.com. That's B A R R E N 
S-P-A-C-E dot com slash one one two two six three. And when you're there, you'll see an archive of all our shows. You'll have a link right at the top to listen either on your uh, Apple device or another device. And it has also pages of all the interviews that we've done because we've interviewed a number of um, actors that have been on the show and also behind the scenes personnel. So take a look at that. That's barrenspace.com slash 112263. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah. And you're also on Podcast Addict because that's where I get it. Um, oh, okay. I yeah. didn't even know that. Yeah. it's Well, Podcast Addict is basically an Android mirror of everything that's on iTunes, you know, so... Does it have its own uh, ratings and reviews on there? Because we love to read those out on our show. No, I don't think so. I think I think it's just basically porting everything from iTunes and Understood. making it available for for Android users. But um, I'll put uh, links to your show and everything on my website, which is cosmicpotato.com. dot com, and awesome. uh, people will be well, able to find even it if, there. So. Even if you're an Android guy like myself, you should still sign up for iTunes for the sake of leaving reviews on shows you oh, really yeah, like. Oh yeah, absolutely, and yeah, yeah, and I stress that. Uh, for our show too, to 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 try and get as many, we don't get a lot of uh, reviews. You know, we get a lot of downloads, but we haven't. Which we, you know, we've only been around for a few months, but we we ha- so far we haven't gotten a whole lot of reviews. A lot of people are listening, not a lot of people are uh, responding. <laughs> hint, hint, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around for the hot Star Trek talk, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> That that'll get him. Yeah, I'm gonna end it on that. So Skipper, <laughs> Skipper Martin and uh, Christopher DeFilippis, thank you for joining us on this episode. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having us. It was and a great time. Anthony, as always, pleasure. Thank you. Thank and, you. All right, audience, take care. We'll talk to you next time. That's gonna do it for this episode. I want to send out a very special thanks once again to Christopher DeFilippis and Skipper Martin for joining me and uh, Anthony this week again please head over to the theflipside.com website and vote in the temporal tempest rankings that uh, Chris is doing it's really cool and it's a lot of fun to look at also I'd really like to hear from you guys I want to know what you like about the show what you'd like me to do differently what kind of topics you'd like us to cover Uh, I've got a ton of ways that you can get in touch with me first of all there's my website at cosmicpotato.com and there's also Facebook and Twitter. Just search for the show. You'll find us. And uh, you can email me directly at seanray at cosmicpotato.com. And, of course, going to iTunes, Stitcher, or Spreaker, and subscribing is awesome. Leaving us a five-star review would be even better. I'd love to hear from you. So that'll do it. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'm already working on the next one. It'll be coming out in a couple of weeks. Until then, take care of yourselves. We'll see you in the future. Just give me a minute. I gotta walk away from the computer for a sec. Okay. All right. Thanks. Am I hearing running water somewhere? Possibly. I think okay. An- I think Anthony has a uh, aquarium in his in his oh, office. Okay. So that's probably well, what it is. That or someone's you know taking a stealth pee. Uh, right. <laughs> needs to work on the stealth a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the way it's dribbling out, that could be diabetes. You know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Could I'm have like a the nurse. Do you want a second opinion? Or? Swollen prostate or something? Yeah. There you go. All right. All right, everyone's going to be wanting to pee in five minutes. Thank God I did before I came up. Glad I got an old Pepsi bottle hanging by. <laughs> yeah, really. Man, All right, I'm back. Oh, okay, all right.